0: Mm Because after all of this, I would not at all be surprised if for whatever reason, the live streaming feature was just broken. Yeah. (laughs) So I will get an email telling me that we're live. I will check Twitter and make sure that we're live. Sorry about this, guys. Thank you for bearing with us. Of course, Restream always hates me at the most inopportune times. We're live on Twitter. So if we're live on Twitter, we should be live on YouTube. Everything should be working. Give us a shout out in the comments if you uh, if you see us, if you hear us, if everything works right. Welcome to the show, David Gornoski. It has been a a bit of an ordeal to get started here, but we're here.
1: Yeah thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah. Okay. okay, good on YouTube. All right, looks like we are good to go. All right. thank goodness. Um, all right. This, this show has been, uh, this is one I've been looking forward to for a very long time. Um, David, I, I said in the last show that I did, uh, I mentioned that, that we were going to be having a conversation. And, and I said, uh, I think that if I remember back to, I have a memory of listening to a podcast of yours. And based on where I lived at the time, it must have been four years ago. So I've been following you for a long time. And uh, since you were on, uh, <laughs> since you were on terrestrial radio, um, since then, as I understand you've you've left the the terrestrial radio um, yeah for now situation for now. what I think the majority of my audience already knows very well who you are. But for anyone who happens to not, uh, give your give a little introduction and 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 tell us who you are and and what you're about, what you're working on.
1: Well, I'm David Gronoski, and uh, you know I, I try to focus on bringing back uh, an understanding of anthropology or bringing to for the first time in many cases churches that have never really considered a proper anthropology of the Bible, and then I bring it into the future with, and I don't like the word Christian futurism, and I think we're going to have to ban anybody that uses the word Christian futurism from any kind of uh, conversation in this (laughs) topic, but because it's not about Christian, it's like a, it's like a, really that's kind of redundant, right? And Christianity built the future, Christianity built history. And let's just take these terms back. History is what Christianity created, and the concept of a future is what Christianity created. Somebody and I went on Uber Boyo. Have you heard of his his channel? Oh on yeah,
0: that conversation. And, I was raving raving about that conversation on
1: YouTube. And and then somebody said, "No, Christianity didn't start, didn't create the future. Zoroastrianism is." And I said, "Oh my goodness, we're going <laughs> to tick off those five Zoroastrians over in and uh, in, in Iran. We love them. Very very nice, beautiful fire." displays and everything but i'm sorry you guys didn't create the future jesus did um and uh so yeah. i mean that's kind of the thing that we work on we have different programs a neighbor's choice is is my that's my standard vehicle that's my model t you know that gets you in the dealership and if you want that 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 step up uh to, you know we go into things hidden. and we do more of an anthropology there and then we get into for those who want to one of those incarnational action points about how to think like epistemologically, how Jesus would think. Then we take on nutrition science, right? That's an easy way to start uh, with the seed oil survival spinoff series. Then we have the science, which was a series that I started about the pandemic thing with all the great uh, voices in in that world. And then we have science and you, which is probably my most far out part of my uh, podcast (laughs) constellation, which is where, we get into new physics with my chief science advisor and physicist, Dr. Yu. And as we say, uh, uh you don't need a rocket scientist to figure these things out, but just in case we bring him along for the ride. So uh, it's like a 1980s adventure movie designed as a podcast. Uh, and I think, you know, what we're trying to do is really going to be the new university, right? This is the way university should be. We should be having ideas cross pollinate we should allow for free discourse and it has to happen in the podcast world because we have failed to enact anthropological based incarnational action to the point where we now have to do these things in exiles on podcasts, which is fine. But at some point, this is the place, this is, this is the kind of thing that needs to be happening in every uh, church and every university and every, you know, every place around town, we need to have coffee shops, we need to have uh, bars, if that's your thing. We need to have roundtable salons, okay? We need to have salons. We have a lot of these, uh, if you read Fire in the Minds of Men by James Billington. He was the former Library of Congress director. He he, he documents firsthand uh, primary sources on the origins of all these revolutionary movements like nationalism and socialism. He looks at them in Europe, and they're all being developed in the salons of the aristocrats. They're all being developed with occult themes behind it. And Christians need to have that same mindset. We need to be having salons. We need to be having salons about anthropology. We need to be having salons about what is the cornerstone mean. We need to be having all this stuff, hashing it out and stop trying to be like my team is the best. And, and all we're going to do is talk about how, how great our team is. That's not going to work. Okay. There's plenty of Pharisees to go around. We don't need any more Pharisees. We need mm. Christians now, right? We need incarnational people. They're not going to talk about how pure and wonderful their version of Christianity is. We need people who are willing to heal the nation's, baptizing the nations means bringing out and revealing the truth with action. If there's no action, you've got another ideology. You've got another fake religion. Christianity destroys those religions. So there's a,
0: the, if you think about the word Christian, this is an interesting thought I had the other day. Um, you think about the word Christian and it's kind of become, uh, it's one of those words that you use the word so much that it almost loses its meaning because it, it just becomes kind of a, Uh, I talk about on the show sometimes the the distinction between mouth sounds and mind pictures. Mm -hmm. And when we communicate, what we're doing is is I have a mind picture and I'm making a mouth sound to correspond to that mind picture to try to make you have the same mind picture. And so words are these different little arbitrary mouth sounds that we use to convey those mind pictures, which is the ideas. So the, the idea of a Christian, originally Christians were known as followers of the way and then the term christian became was was actually a pejorative that was used because you are a christian you are a you are a follower of christ mm-hmm. but it was in, in a pejorative sense that cuz christ is this pathetic figure to the people who are are using this this term originally mm-hmm. you know he's this supposed god who is who dies this humiliating death and then disappears and then his followers are going around and his followers are these weird people who seem to be a part of this death cult that um that emphasizes the opposite of the virtues of the, of the society around them. But our Christian has kind of become today when we use the word Christian, when we use the mouth sound Christian, we're not conveying the idea of a Christian anymore. We're conveying the idea of a Christian Ian, where now being a Christian is acting like this kind of like a meme of what a Christian is versus being the actual um, living incarnational embodiment of Christ being a Christian. So it's like you take that Christian word and substitute it for Christ. And now everyone's acting like a Christian, but what does it mean to be a Christian has gotten lost in all of that.
1: Right. Yeah. Have you, it reminds me of that, uh, ancient graffiti, Alex, Alex Minos. Have you heard of that? Alex Minos graffito, where it's about Alex worshiping his God. And it was in ancient Rome, uh, Alexa Menos Graffito, I hope I'm saying that, whatever, but it's in Latin, that's it, but it's a picture of this Christian, they were mocking him, the pagans uh, mocking him, worship uh, Jesus, and the the figure, it's this little crude graffiti that was found in the Roman walls, and it's Jesus has a donkey head, right, which kind of shows you that's what pagans do, is they have to try to scandalize, because Jesus was disrupting some of the differentiation of what you know their world was aware of in terms of what is power, what is good, what is evil, what is clean versus unclean, different notions of pagan deity are disrupted, and so therefore, a pagan's going to respond by trying to partially mythologize Jesus with a donkey head, right? Because he rode on a donkey, right? Mm-hmm. So that becomes mythology, and then also there were the people of the donkey was in that area where he came, he comes from in that uh ancient israel so it's interesting that they were always the canaanites were like pejoratively known as like donkey worshipers um and then jesus comes on a donkey and then they try to mythologize jesus as like a donkey like an insult uh like this is what a goofball that you would worship a donkey being crucified you know what a what a what a fool you are uh and that's what paul talks about you know that the that this the cross is a uh, uh, you know, this is an offense to the world, right? It's a scandal and an offense, and that's kind of what you're going to see as a result of of that offense is this kind of attempt to try to put it back into a mythological framework that they can process.
0: Because if you if you have a donkey, if you're someone who rides a donkey, it's because you're 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 of too few means to have a horse to ride a right. horse. Right. So there's kind of that latent like, um, it's right. like a cosmopolitan. You're a, you're a backwards hillbilly that um, is, is simple is, has a very simple, unsophisticated view of the world.
1: Yeah. 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 Right. The, yeah. I mean, and, 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 really it's, it's those who are owned by the crowd that have a simple worldview. Unfortunately. Right. Right. All we like sheep have gone astray each into our own way, which is the joke, right? Because like a sheep in some sense, if you're not aware that you're a sheep, then you think that you're going your own way. Right. Hmm. You see what Mm, I mean? You think you're going your own way. That's what the message of that, you know, it's like, once you become aware of your sheepness, then you become aware of how you were walking. Even though you were moving your little hooves, it wasn't really you that was moving. It was the herd moving you towards a cliff or towards a wolf or towards destruction. Right. And so, you know, that's the whole idea of, um, Leaving the nine to nine and going after the one, right? Is that encountering that has so many layers to it the scapegoat, you know, the misfit, the one that's left, the one that's marginalized, the stone that's rejected, the sheep that's left behind. The shepherd goes for that one. And it's almost like that's a psychological state of encountering Christ, right? Is the recognition that you're all alone now in the Mm. sense that you're awake to the matrix of being a sheep. (laughs) So the shepherd goes to save you in that state, right? That state of being. Uh, the one left out of the 99, right um, and, and and so there's there's that that layer there that I think is helpful um, that you know we need to take back. I mean the, Sora Kierkegaard said the crowd is a lie. and I think that's a great place to start and when you understand what it means to be Christian, right is that it's a enc- encountering what does that mean to live in that reality like and then there's this huge creative space that opens up for you for you to that now start to not fall off into every stupid conspiracy theory and alternative theory, but to be really like artful and thoughtful and being able to unpack and challenge some of the assumptions, right. Uh, of that have been given to you in the world. And that's where you can start to be, uh, able to be creative and innovative in a Christian sense. Um, you know, that's what Renee Girard said that, uh, we didn't, um, uh, stop burning witches because we discovered the scientific method. We discovered the scientific method because we stopped burning witches. So it's the other way around. You know, the way we talk about the scientific method, it's as if it fell down from on high, It just fell down from the heavens and the enlightenment, which is all of a sudden, boom, you know, we had the l- religious wars and then boom, all of a sudden from the heavens reason came. That's not necessarily the case. I mean, there's things to critique about the enlightenment, but I think that's important for us to not get into those stupid traps where we're pro or anti certain periods of history, right? This is all mm-hmm. redemptive history and there's, you know, we're growing and fits and starts and we, we fall down and we spiral back up and there's a lot to it. And I don't like to try to pick a era of redemptive history and say, we need to go back here and nothing further because that was the golden age. Like that's a very pagan way of thinking about Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for, whether we like it or not, Christianity is a future-oriented reality. You know, it's a future-oriented choice uh, to choose to live in the present as a, as you said earlier, a down payment on the future, like a down payment on what's to come. You know, he starts off his first um, miracle that way in the miracle of Cana, where he's you know, usually you bring out the garbage wine, the box wine at the end of the wedding party when everybody's been sloshed. You know. And and he brought out the best wine, you know, the best tasting wine at the end, which kind of shows where history is now going to be oriented in the in the in the kingdom of Christ, whereas the golden age was always in the past in the pagan world. So that's why you brought out the best wine at the beginning, and then it subsequently goes downhill from there until you're kicking people out of the way to come on, and get out. We have nothing but box wine. Let's go, let's go, and Jesus doesn't do that. That's that's how that's how pagan that's how pagan thinking goes right let, let's go let's go you know we can't do this anymore we got to go back we can only go back through some kind of like sacrificial propitiation uh to let the gods know that we're sorry for being so ruckus or whatever whatever the issue is that's not how you know jesus is going to do it he's going to go in a comedic pattern which is the best is yet to come history ends and culminates in a wedding and that's how comedies end, right? With a funny mm-hmm. uh, wedding at the end. So that's we're a comedy is what we're all about, you know.
0: That that's a perfect segue into. So I I I told you I plan to lead off the show here with a clip from a, a conversation that you had with my good friend Buck Johnson, and you segued into that perfectly. One of the things you've said in the past is to kind of set up this clip here. One of the things you've said in the past is. Uh, how the Bible begins in a garden and it ends in a city. Right. And I titled this, the the episode here, building the city of God in the third millennium. Um, Cause something that you said in another recent uh, uh, podcast of yours was, uh, it was the one Jesus and the cornerstone event. And you talked about what, what the cornerstone is, what the, the role the cornerstone plays, um, especially vis-a-vis the capstone and the, the symbolic meaning of the cornerstone and what it means for Christ to be the cornerstone. And, in um, the email I sent you to, to to try to set up the interview here, and then just before we went live, I was talking about how um, I began this show as a explicitly political... I, I saw myself as an explicitly political unit and viewed the world through a political lens as a, a an ANCAP kind of turning monarchist, largely through the influence of guys like Curtis Yarvin mm-hmm. or Mench's mold Mench's Moldbug more than Curtis Yarvin, if you catch my meaning, um, and... As I was beginning this process, I I began, <laughs> as I was going through this process, I was exposed to Orthodoxy, uh, um, Eastern Orthodox Christianity. And it was primarily through uh, Lord of Spirits, a podcast by Ancient Faith, that w- what drew my interest about that was... Number one, the the idea is it, as the show was pitched to me by the people who shared it with me, they said this is a you're interested in metaphysics. Well, this is a really interesting look at Christian metaphysics that you've probably never encountered before. Growing up in the West, growing up as a, I spent the first twenty plus years of my life as a pretty devout Seventh Day Adventist, um, which is a relatively speaking extremely young tradition. Well, you vegetarian? And, Yes, yeah, for a large part of my life. I was not for Tucker, the most Tucker, part, my Tucker dad.
1: Goodrich, the seed oil friend of mine, the nutrition guy, he he blames uh, the Seventh-day Adventist for a lot of our nutrition.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Harvey Kellogg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Harvey Kellogg, um, when he invented cornflakes, the reason that he did it what like one of his stated purposes for it was to stop um children from masturbating. Mm. Stop little boys from masturbating. So they needed to eat cereal because bacon and eggs and and steak was too um, sexually provocative. Um, so it's very seventh day Adventism is very, I mean, now it's just completely degenerating into postmodern progressive nonsense, but that's because it always, it's always been a very conservative denomination that has this, these auspices of conservatism that's very legalistic and that just falls apart without the true incarnational, um, heart of Christ. Um, but so, so you had this conversation with Buck recently and it really got some gears turning for me because I've been Um, I've been doing the show kind of off and on for the last year and a half after being very regular with it, because I find myself just not having anything to say. I don't know what I, I, I'm trying to figure a lot of this stuff out for myself. I went through my, I, my process as a catechumen. And so then I just felt like I'm just not in a place to, to talk about a lot of these things. I need to be focused on other stuff, but I've had this, this passion burning for, um, the, my perception of the absence of a particular message that needs to be out there. That's not, that's not strictly, um, quote unquote, Christian preaching. It's not just the, the kind of rote Western preaching of the gospel standing on the preach cor- on the street corner, um, talking about hellfire and like, there needs to be something that that's a, there needs to be a positive message here, but I don't know exactly what that positive message is and in this clip here that i'm going to play real quick it's about a minute and a half and i've got it on uh, on 1 and a quarter speed so it shouldn't take too long in this clip here with with buck you had a monologue that just has been embedded in my mind and it's interesting that you said what you did about um, rené girard and talking about how we discovered the the scientific method because we stopped burning witches because you said that either in this clip or just before this clip yeah um and uh so let me let me play this real quick and then we'll we'll riff off of it
1: Recognizing. Right? So, so what I'm saying is there's so much work to be done in the world of atoms and that Christians should be leading the way in that. They should be incarnating the truth of God. Being able to think smarter like Jesus means being able to challenge sacred cows and then look for the things that actually work. You know, René Girard says that we didn't uh, stop burning witches because we discovered the scientific method. We discovered the scientific method because we stopped burning witches. Mm. But the meaning that what that means is, is that Christianity is what reveals the emptiness of sacrifice. And when you start to lose your believability and sacrifice, you'll still keep doing it for a time, but it'll lose its ability to unify and it'll lose its ability to create cohesion and meaning. And when that happens, you start to look around and say, well, maybe something else caused this plague. Let's look at that growth on that dead body right there on the nose and see what that is, is that, and then they say, well, how do we do that? Let's get a piece of glass. You know, you start creating technology. Mm -hmm. Those technologies end up becoming used for a whole host of different things. Christianity is the place where technology comes. Christianity is the place where technology comes and heals people, not destroys and creates more opportunity for war. So Christians should be leading science. Christians should be healing cancer and all these diseases as down payments on their authority as given to them by Christ to be kings and priests of this world. That's what we should be doing. Our conservative political conferences should be talking about curing cancer. All right.
0: All right. So that was the... uh... That last that last sentence that 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 the 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 idea of um, the working of signs and wonders as down payments on our authority as given to us by Christ to be kings and priests that is the phrase that has just been going around in circles in my head ever since I heard you say that. Can you so in the light of the current debate about technology, particularly AI? There's this kind of never-ending debate about technology is good, technology is evil, technology is good, technology is evil. It sounds to me like what you're saying here is that technology isn't good or evil. Technology is. The question is, how is it going to be used? And Christians have a sacred responsibility. In the use of technology. And technology can be something as simple as a relationship. A relationship can be a form of technology. Language is a form of technology, all the way up to you know AI or or a, a wheel loader or um a, a crane. All of these things are, are different forms of technology. Elaborate for me on that idea. What what is your vision for the role of Christians in society, particularly with respect to technology?
1: Well, it's like you got so you have. With the Enlightenment, you get things like deism popping up, you know, and it's like the separation of the divine from the created. So it's trying to like roll back incarnational reality mm. and make God make God like a distant father figure, which a lot of people in the Enlightenment grew up with. So it's in keeping of what they were yeah. experiencing. You know, theology is theology is biography sometimes. And so, you know, you've got this kind of separation of matter from spirit and dualism is wrapped into that. And there's a lot Mm. of stuff that are wrapped into that, but you know, that's Descartes, I think, therefore I am, you know, that's where you get this distinction between mind and body and then spirit and, and, and material and things like that. And so that sets on, sets this thing in motion that decouples the material world from the spiritual world and the idea world and uh we've been lost in that for a long time I believe you know and our theology reflect even the fact that we study the bible with the first imprint when you are told to read a bible or wherever tradition you're from i'm very i pick on all traditions okay so i'm not going to do any tribalism stuff i mean i i know, look we always there's always a place to love your family and it's okay to love your family including your your tradition too but but just to, you know there's always this kind of like okay <clears throat> um, you know, we have this Bible, or and, and and what are we told about this book? Teaches us about what, what? Mm. God,
2: mm-hmm.
1: All right. So we've already, you know, Jesus said, "Son of God, Son of Man," right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we've already not listened to what He said <laughs> from the moment mm. we present reading the Bible. Okay, this is what it means to be like, you know, follow God. Tell me what to do. Tell me the rules. Tell me whatever the tradition is, or tell me the secret hermeneutic that allows me to pick the right team so I can say everybody else is wrong. Mm. You're already starting from a detached, disembodied Jesus, which is no Jesus at all. Mm. It's a wonder we're, we've gotten this far in the first, pa- in the first place without a, with such a truncated view of Jesus. So we should look at the Bible as what does this teach us about mankind? What does this teach us about relationships? What does this teach us about the way I have this feud with this guy from high school? (laughs) You know, that's what kids should be learning. You should be learning (laughs) anthropology, memetic theory, to understand how, why is it? I have this big issue with this person. I can't stand them. The Bible's there to teach you about that. So you can it reads you more than you read it. And um, so it has a kind of existential thing, but it also has this big cosmic thing, you know, and this, and, and, and God God designed this earth to be his home. That's important, you know, like God designed, he, you know, he designed mm. this to be his tabernacle, his place of rest. And it's important for us to not worship the map or to worship the icon over the created. And we're not even supposed to worship the created thing, but the point is it should all be put in its proper place. Right. All these are signs pointing back to something else. So creation was designed to be a reflection of God. It was designed to be His home. We were made in His image. We were made to be a kind of co-creative reflection of Jesus, Mm -hmm. reflection of the Word. And so that's what we're supposed to do. So here's why I'm saying all of that, just to say I have an issue with some of the ways in which Christians smuggle in this disconnect again when it comes to things like signs and wonders, and there's two, let's just give two examples of how this works. There's the one that says, don't tell people to be like Jesus. You're not Jesus. Who do you think you are? Mm. Shut up, sit down. Okay. Well, what, by doing that, you're rejecting Christ. The spirit of Christ is being rejected in that mindset. People are so afraid and they'll always use the boogeyman of like cult leaders and, Jim Jones or you know all these different figures like um um what's that guy uh Charles Manson you know like don't that's what that's what it looks like to think you're like Christ it looks like that crazy stuff right and so they use that as like a fear mechanism to to stay in the boat while Jesus is walking on water <laughs> mm. if I walk on water I'm gonna look like Charlie Manson mm. or I might get trampled down and mutilated by a mob or put in prison and accused of of the most heinous crimes known to man, right? Falsely accused, falsely scapegoated, falsely maligned, destroyed. My family might fall apart. I can't walk on water. That's Jesus. And I'm going to sit in a boat, and I'm going to be his biggest fanboy ever. That's what Christians do. You see what I mean? That's Mm. what they do. They do it with every fiber in their being. They stay in the freaking boat 2,000 years later. They stay in the boat. That's the way they should not be doing, but that's what they do because they can feel safe and pious and holy. I worship Jesus in the boat better than you do. I know the right tradition. I know the right doctrines. I know the right ritual. I know the right baptism. I know all that. You don't know it. And they're over there. No, no, no. I know this, blah, 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 blah. blah. And you're all, you know, trying to show off who's worshiping. Jesus. Oh man, look how awesome he is. See how he walked on the water? And then you come up with your theory about how he's walking on water while the other guy's like, no, I think it's this way. And you're like, no, it's not that way. You're spending all your time in the boat. You ain't doing nothing. You're not being Christian. Mm. Christianity is you get the heck out of the boat and you be Christ. You become Christ. So instead of making Jesus an object of your life that you put in your pocket and say, I've attained it because I've joined this church or I've joined that thing or I've done this type of baptism or I've done that type of thing. No, you become Jesus is the subject of your life. See the difference? Mm. You know when they talk about? Like don't objectify women. Don't mm-hmm. objectify Jesus. Don't objectify Jesus. He's not something to attain. And the reason why we like that is because it's safer. It's safer to attain him as an object of your desire rather than the subject of your life that you are becoming. You are made in his story. History is Jesus's story. And he is divinely creating. A He's weaving a story. With each of us a reflection of Him, in its own and all one in different ways, unique way, and we get the to church is the body of
0: Christ, it. right?
1: And He said we're going to do greater things than He, and people still don't believe it. They still think He's just being cute. He was being really sweet to us. <laughs> he's patronizing us like that. A boy, one day you'll throw the ball bigger than Daddy. <laughs> That's what we all believe in our bones. Because if we if we mm-hmm. believed it, we wouldn't be sitting around whining about things. Mm. We don't believe it, man. We don't believe it. So all we do is we spend all of our time talking about Epstein Island and who's gonna and how come Biden never go Hunter Biden doesn't go to prison and how come the Federal Reserve and, how come all, <laughs> and all we do is complain because we're afraid to get in the water because we're afraid we're going to drown or whatever else. Right? We don't believe it. We don't trust in him. We don't trust in his way, and we don't want to become him. You know, theosis, right? We don't want to try mm-hmm. that. So we just try to just be holy and pious and talk about how reverent and how, you know, my goodness is, you know, it's this dogma, it's that thing. And look at me, I'm doing all the things right. And it's like, okay, but that's not what he's doing. You know, he's, he's out there taming the wildness of, of, of reality. He's taming it. He's showing he owns it. He wants you to play in that world. He wants you to play in taming the storm of reality. Mm. sandbox To play co-creatively with him, right? And so, once you get that part, then you see how there's this mistake we make when we say that healing only comes through. Like, so this this is where it's interesting, right? So let's get into the healing thing because you asked, you asked about signs and healing, signs mm-hmm. and wonder. So let's get into the healing part within that framework of this disconnect. Started with this didn't start, but let's just I'm trying to put an arbitrary marker in the in the history to kind of put a narrative to it. Deism disconnects creator from created. Makes it separate. There's daddy issues going on in this theology. That's baked into the cake of a lot of different things that come out later. Theism classical forms of theism also have a kind of dualism. Um, so there's errors there, but what does that do? Disenchants the world. And then, and then it and it and it allows you to be blind to mimetic encasing of truth, right? Because your 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 focus is all on, man, he's so holy, he's so awesome, and I believe in all these things in your head but you're not acting it out. You're not walking on water. So therefore you're not following Christ in its full potential. Um, So, so when you get to healing, then you get to this disconnect where it's miraculous healings by laying of hands and prayers and uh, you know, miraculous things happening uh, supernaturally, or it's just whatever the heck the doctor does. Or, you know, if, if you're, if you're kind of anti-establishment, then it's, whatever the heck your natural doctor does or whatever your chiropractor
2: <clears throat> That's
1: it. That's it. So it's either supernatural stuff or you pick the establishment line, which is whatever the official doctor, you know, AMA government approved establishment protocol is for this particular disease or you get the little oh I'm medically against that so you then you pick a, a silo in opposition to that, Cairo, whatever and that's your thing and no no attack any of that but but you're not thinking about healing in that big incarnational action framework, right? Which would be looking at how do you how do you start actually curing these diseases, like actually working through, using your mind, using your um, your, your hermeneutic of suspicion to be distrustful of some of the established paradigms about textbook knowledge, about what diseases are and how to solve them. So when you don't have that kind of hermeneutic of suspicion pushing you forward, you won't have the courage to see what's right underneath your nose. You see what I mean? And
0: -hmm. that's what I'm
1: trying to get you to see is that Christianity is about learning how to look and see and act as Christ did in the world taking on the mind of Christ, renewing your mind, right? It's not about looking at him as an object in the text and then following certain protocols to show how right your your thinking is. That's important, but it has to be anchored in what are you actually doing to enact a different frame of mind in which you can look at something that says, well, this is what we do for diabetes. It's X, Y, and Z that the government protocols and everybody uh, uh, goes through instead of saying okay what actually solves diabetes using your mind using your suspicion of the established dogmas that are that are telling you where you're allowed to play and where you're not allowed to play and saying this is a stronghold this is an example of sickness this is an example of sin this is an example of of, of violence embedded in our system creating distorted outcomes like false fake solutions for diseases that have us in bondage for generations see what I mean? So you, do you get what I mean? It's like yeah. there's there is a place, of course, for supernatural divine healing. Not taking that away, but when you take a disconnect, right? When you dis when you disembody the message of Christianity, when you separate creator from created, what do you get? you you're gonna get well. There's uh, exceptional examples where there's a supernatural uh, healing taking place in the church. Or then there's just whatever the established textbook view of healing is. Does that make sense?
0: Right, right. I've just finished reading a um, I did a live reading series on the on the show here of uh, Father Sarah from Rose's book Nihilism: The Root of the Revolution of the Modern Age. And in the book, he talks about uh what he calls the four stages of the nihilist dialectic. And he traces them. He kind of does what you do, what you did where for this, for a narrative sake, because human beings, we're, we're, we're narrative beings. We, yeah. we, our entire awareness of reality is, is constantly embedded in narrative. And he, so he picks sort of an arbitrary point to start. And mm-hmm. so his four stages are uh, liberalism, realism, vitalism, and then the nihilism of destruction. And the way he lays these out is that um, liberalism, the stage begins with a, um, like a falling away from devotion to the idea of an absolute truth where truth becomes something that is, is not, they're not explicitly hostile to the notion of truth, but they're kind of ambivalent to it or sort of aloof from it. But that ends up being each stage of the nihilist dialectic lays the foundation for the next stage, which is in a sense a reaction to the previous stage, but it's actually a furtherance of this previous stage because it accepts the core tenets of the previous stage, but says you're doing it wrong. Right. So realism is the response to liberalism where realism says, no, none of this like kind of aloof, detached liberalism, this wishy-washy and milk toast. No, we're going to be explicitly hostile to the notion of truth. We're going to be rigidly materialist. We're not even going to, there's not even going to be a metaphysical awareness. Just simply eliminate the possibility of meta- metaphysics and focus rigidly on on rationalism, humanism, et cetera, and that then lays the foundation for the vitalist response, which is where the vitalist says, "No, you're you're a bunch of a bunch of detached nerds who are buried in your spreadsheets. You don't understand the spiritual realities of human nature because they're sensing this detachment from the spiritual world. But then, because in the pr- earlier stage, absolute truth had been they, the, the humanity had detached itself from a notion of absolute truth, which absolute truth is a person humanity had detached itself from that person so the vitalist response becomes all these sorts of weird pseudo-spiritual this is where you start getting into the new age and then kind of on the on the right hand side you'd have like the avalas perhaps and on the left hand side you would have like uh uh foucault or derrida or some of the the, the french post then the nihilism of destruction is basically where we're at now where um not only are we now um uh, abandoning or hostile to absolute truth, but we're like explicitly at war with it. There's an explicit declaration of war against God. He uses Nietzsche obviously as the the paradigmatic nihilist, but there's this, um, open warfare against God. But then he, he lays out the nihilist plan, which is you've created a vacuum by killing God, you create a vacuum and something has to step into that vacuum. So what you're going to get then is a new God. And then the desire to create a new world for a new man to dwell within but that new man is now um no longer an incarnational man that new man is a is a is an idea it's strictly an idea that has no tangible basis so it's actually driving humanity into subhumanity where the the, the nihilism of destruction is the stage we're reaching now where you're getting human beings are being genetically changed to the point where you mm-hmm. you can begin. Questioning whether you could even consider, like scientifically, you whether you could even consider this a human being, or has it been genetically changed sufficiently where you can no longer call it a human being? Is theosis possible with someone who is genetically no longer human? We're at the if level you have now. Have like a
1: pig face one day or something, like a ninja? Right,
0: mm. right, yeah. I mean, if you have a if you have a, a, a pig heart and then you you like grow can Jesus save a, a pig heart. tail? And right. Jesus
1: come inside a pig heart.
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah. That's
1: the takeaway question from today.
0: <laughs> right, right. So this is you're talking about this dualism mm-hmm. here, and 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 the deism stage where man begins to treat God as this kind of far off, distant. Like you said, it reflects the the daddy issues, and that's actually there's something even more profound in that. I think that we could get into where, um, the show is called King Pilled. What does it mean to be a king? Where does kingship reside? Who mm-hmm. is who is the ideal king? What does the ideal king look like? How does he behave? And I would contend that the king, the true king, is the man who comes up to a mud puddle and nobody can get across the mud puddle. So he lays himself down in the mud puddle so everyone can walk on top of him across from dry land to dry land. Kingship is a sacrificial act. The king is subject to his people. And that's something that doesn't begin from the top down. In the sense that you're not going to install a king and magically transform the people. Yeah. That's it what starts all these from the people.
1: Guys like, want. You know, I call them right. the little Caesars. Yeah.
0: Right. And that's the, that was the ideology <laughs> that was drawing me, that was pulling me. But, but yeah, there was I, something I, about I it saw, that just didn't I saw. Right. Yeah, the
1: name King, Peel, I thought, oh my goodness, we're going to get another monarchist. Oh my goodness. But you're just falling into another, you know, playtime. You right. Know,
0: you're fantasy, not, you can't, you, know. you can't, you can't. It's like a, it's like a video your, game.
1: You know, you're just playing a virtual reality. Oh.
0: And and it's the same
1: thing, like, you know, it's the same mistake. I mean, I hate this when these people make the same mistake. And we all do. So I don't want to be, I've got to be careful. I never want to be, you know, it's easy to get in the flesh and say these people. Right. We all do it. But make the same mistake that the the freaking people of Jesus' time did, right? They're like, no, Mm -hmm. I don't want you. I want a king. Dang it. I want Mm -hmm. a Messiah. And then 2,000 years later, you got these people saying, I'm a Christian. nationalist. And you're like, okay, well, love your neighbor as yourself. No, beat them. Put them in prison. We need to come back with crucifixions. And then we love Jesus. I'm like, no, dude, you, you totally missed it, man. I'm sorry. You, you just totally didn't get it. And they do that because, again, there's all kinds of ways to objectify Jesus as, a, as an object, as a part of your kind of pantheon of your ideology rather than making him the subject right? The mm. subject of your life that you're becoming like, and you're actually doing it yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's totally missed when you take, because they always do this and this might step on toes, but a lot of people love to do that thing where, Oh no. You know, when Jesus was doing his ministry, that was the mode of the suffering servant. But when he comes back, he's going to mm. be like macho man, Randy Savage with an elbow <laughs> from the top. Bam. I told you I was trying to be nice the first time and no, brother, all right. I had to do a wrestling thing. because <laughs> Somebody asked for wrestling. So there we go. But that's what it is. You know, he, Jesus, tried, I'm coming in as real nice guy the first time. And then I want to come in with an elbow drop just to show you what a punk you were for picking on such a nice guy. That's Christian theology in a nutshell mm. and the way people do it, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: because they want it. They can't handle the radicalness of Christ. They're terrified. It's going to put them on the cross. That's what it's all about. And they yep. want that postcard. I told you they want the postcard Christianity where they put their face in the cutout of the cross at the carnival. And they get their photo and they say, Look, my look, I'm a Jesus Christian follower. Look at me. They don't want to live on the they don't want to be on the cross. They want to get the photo. They want to have the postcard Christianity so they can make it look like they're with him, get all the social status of being an ally of victims, right? And that's on the right too. The right has plenty of allies of victims. They just don't mm-hmm. use that language because they're like, you know, they're not honest with themselves. Right. And that's so- been,
0: that's been my big grievance with with a little ironic here. That's been my big grievance with the, um, uh, the, the mentality that runs in a lot of the race realist circles where it's turned into, you see these, these posters who 100% of their content is how white people have been victimized in all these different ways. And To me, it doesn't matter whether that's true or false. All you're doing is just embodying the same thing that you've railed against in the people you see as your enemies. You're adopting this this victimhood state where now I have been aggrieved. This is is a, a fundamentally egoistic, prideful posture where I've been aggrieved, the world owes me. And the Christian message is the world doesn't owe you anything you owe the world quote unquote everything you you to to embody christ is to pour yourself out for the world it's interesting that you, you there's there's all kinds of complicated debates about uh proper christian theology and I, i'm not i'm not um uh diminishing those i think those have their place and they're great in that and i'm i'm forever indebted to the people who engage in them but i think something that gets missed is People start start having these uh, really technical conversations f- about um, particular things regarding the nature of Christ, yeah. for example, or the nature of the Trinity. I've had some of these on this on this this show, and I'm and I think those conversations have their place and they're great. But if those are the only thing that people are seeing, mm-hmm. they're not seeing how this tangibly affects them. So if you have the the a, 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 an improper understanding of the nature of Christ, you don't fully appreciate him being fully God and fully human. He is fully God and fully human. He didn't just take humanity as a skin to go like your video game analogy. He didn't just take on the humanity skin so he could go beat the game and then take the skin off and go on and do something else. He Mm -hmm. is human for for all of eternity. Yeah, they make him a divine trickster.
1: Yeah, that's like a Gnostic divine trickster God.
0: And so then – That's what Islam – That's why
1: Islam Islam has – they don't have a Trinitarian view of God, so they miss out and they create this – caricature of jesus where he pretended to die or or i don't know i don't think he pretended they thought he died but he actually came off or something they got him off the cross before he could die because only a loser would do that totally
0: yes yeah exactly the 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 um, oh this is great uh two-bit podcast he said there's a wrestling with god um podcast series that needs to happen a pro wrestling slash orthodoxy podcast series that'd be very good um so when you have this view of christ that christ is like 100% God and then he put on a human skin so that he could go satisfy the wrath of God and, and kind of work this legal fiction to make us justified, even though we're not actually justified. It's just his justification imputed on us, but we, we're still the same thing. We're just just like his, it's like his hand was there covering us up when the judgment was coming by. What happens from that then is that people's, pers- people's perspective on being Christian is... I'm a hundred percent human and I need to put on the skin of God. I need to take it on as a skin so I can go play the video game and get to the end. So how do I, how do I take the skin of God? But that's not what, that's not what theosis is. Theosis is not you taking on God's skin. St. Athanasius said that God became man so that man might become God. There is another world after this one. We're, we're proceeding toward another world, but it might look a lot like this one. It, yes, exactly. There's this notion that not that a cloud, uh, probably. What's that?
1: Probably not a cloud or something like
0: that. Right, no. right. Yeah, and there's and there's probably not um on the flip side there's probably not like a big cavernous um flaming hole with a bunch of little demons with pitchforks, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the next world will be we're 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 progressing into that world. We've been living in the end times since the time of Christ. Yeah. We're in the end times for 2,000 years. People have been in the end times, and I talked about coming from Seventh day Adventism. Where it's it's, like
1: a joke, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it's it's very end time that never ends. Goodness,
0: yes, yes. So, so Seventh Adventism is very eschatological. It's very, um, obviously, you say, eschatological? no, no, eschatological. (laughs) They usually probably make
1: their own compost for their
0: diet. Sorry to pick on them, I love them be it's uh, obviously it's in the name the advent they're looking toward the advent of christ and so then there's this this it's what drove me away really is is this complete arbitrary valuation of this life that this life is is like a is a proving ground for the next life but then you get this weird tension where This life doesn't matter. All that matters is the next one. So then we have to be really strictly legalistic and arbitrary about the the specific checklist of duties that we're allowed to participate in in this life. It's Mm -hmm. completely detached. There's this dualism again between this life and the next life. The reason I titled this this episode, Building the City of God, is because you had this conversation, I think it was actually just a monologue, um, about the cornerstone, what the cornerstone is. Mm -hmm. And... I want to I want to kind of draw out this analogy here of of you said starting in a garden ending in a city. Mm-hmm. And there's a very distinct Christian antipathy for technology, that technology is something to be avoided or something that's, that is somehow that's not evil. That's not- no, not at all. We're 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 expected to use technology. So how does a Christian use technology to build the city of God with the knowledge or understanding that this isn't this isn't some kind of a utopian like our job is to exterminate all evil doing from the world and then this world becomes the city of god you know this it's like a it's like a, a kind of a, Nietzsche, a nietzschean ubermenschian sort of um we need to literally build a city here on this earth that is literally the throne of god like these these things are both literally true and not literally true at the same time Do you, are you are you are you tracking with what i'm trying to to unpack here
1: Yeah, say it again just to help me focus in on it. So I was pulling up a Bible verse while you were talking, and I'm going to read it. Okay.
0: So you've got these, these, uh, a couple different ideas here. One of them is the story of the Bible begins in a garden and and it ends in a city. Right. As Christians, our responsibility is to manifest the city of God in this world, in this life. By making our by lives each.
1: living stones in the edifice of the structure, yes.
0: Bingo, that's Bingo. it, yes. That's right. That's yes. what
1: Peter talks about, the little rock, right? Um, look at this, I wanted to share this. I like this from Acts 1, 10 through 11. I don't know what translation it is, but I found it real fast. It says, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two dudes dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Hmm. They were up looking in the sky, disembodied from reality, right? He looks, let's get to word, right? You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, you just see it in the text everywhere. When you look, this whole idea of like there, why are you looking up in the sky for some Gnostic dualistic view of God? Which makes you wonder, you know, I don't know. How does that actually look when he ascends? Maybe, you Mm -hmm. know, because if you think about it, the traditional understanding of him like floating up, and, you know, it's like, but that's not what he does. I don't know, man. You know, it makes you wonder because it's like, that's not typically how he does things. He doesn't do it in the tradition. That's kind of like, you know, here I come to save the day. And and so it's almost like kind of a satire on that because they're all like looking up in the sky. Where in the world did he go? Is he back yet? You know, they're <laughs> out there looking up and then some guys show up and they're like, What are you doing? Like he he's coming back the same way he came in, which is through you, you know, your bodies. Mm. Get out there. Come on. He just said and, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Get on with it. Come on, <laughs> stop navel gazing. You know, when you're, right? Because when you get into your mind psychologically, that's a kind of up in the sky again, right? You're you're too heavenly mm-hmm. minded that's- for earthly good, which isn't heavenly minded at all. Because the kingdom of God, right, is coming into earth. It's in breaking through us mm. as living stones, as you mentioned in history,
0: right. We are this is where I said it before, the church is the body of Christ. This isn't a metaphor, this isn't metaphorical language, or it's not strictly metaphorical language. Yeah. We are quite literally, we are his hands and feet. We are, through him embodying us, we are his body in this world. We are the way that he manifests in this world. It's interesting this verse here being being that the 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 biblical authors, when they wrote these texts, now. Luke and acts are, are much more, um, more, uh, uh, scientific minded sort of, they're more kind of like, um, a more modern approach of like trying to strictly document the events exactly as they happened. Whereas other parts of the Bible are, are, are the way ancient people thought wasn't like, I need to have my notepad here where I'm going to sit down and jot down, you know, Bob raised his left arm and then mm-hmm. he took three steps forward, you know, yada, yada. You can almost you touch on this. You can almost understand this in two senses, where Jesus literally, like, up in the sky, and they're standing here, next crane back, looking up after him. Or it could be understood sort of metaphorically, where you know if you understand heaven and earth are not two different realms, yeah. it's one realm that you perceive in two different yeah. ways. So he, when he ascends into heaven, this is the way ancient people would talk about it. He he ascends into the uncreated world that we can't naturally see and they're looking up into heaven so they're they're sitting there staring into the uncreated world kind of like all right are you coming back you know what's going on they're still and, holding
1: on to the objectified version of them still right they're right slow to learn and that's what's funny about the text. the bible's so funny and it's so it's kind of satirizing your expectations of like divine power right right and that's why, if you're always craving for a king or a Caesar, you're not letting the Bible read you. You know what I mean? You're still, mm. you're still going off to this, looking to the sky for my hero to come save me. You know what I mean? Instead of like, mm-hmm. no, man, that's not at all what this is about. And the Bible's right; it's mocking, it's kind of laughing at it a little bit. If you see it there, I mean, it's it's funny. Like, in what other religion would that happen? Not- Think about. See, we don't we we're so terrified to engage the text in some ways because we're afraid we're going to go off in the wrong direction and create a new cult. I get it. You know what I'm saying? But like, we're afraid to like, like to let the text be playful because the text is filled with all kinds of puns and double entendres Mm -hmm. and all these different things. And we're afraid we want to, we want to make it really rarefied and, and very solemn and all this, but has those things, but it's very humorous. And it's satirizing man's notion of the divine, like you said. It's satirize. I mean, what other what other religion would do that? Would be like they're all looking up and they're like, and he's like, "No, dude, what, what are you doing? Like, what are you, why do you what do you got your head in the sky? You know, why do you got like your like the head in
0: the, the, the ostensible heroes of the story, so to speak, yeah, the way that it that's would... something Hercules would do or something. Zeus. Right. You
1: would look into the sky for the thunderclap or something, right? That's not what we're gonna do here.
0: So the I, I the the response, like, kind of the little voice that I always have in the back of my head as I'm um contemplating these. I'm trying to get this new um in the orthodox world they talk about the the phronema which is kind of like maybe best translated like mindset or like uh um sort of like like spiritual slash, slash cognitive posture mm-hmm. and as I'm trying to take this on I'm trying to strip myself of some of this old baggage or or let some of this old baggage be stripped from me that I've brought to bear here um, one of the, the 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 thoughts that I keep hearing—it's kind of like the critic that's sitting out there from like barking in from the peanut gallery—is mm-hmm. where do you draw the line between striving after? Well, I and mean, let me set this up a different way: when you, if you begin to embody um, the act activity of sacrifice in your life, if you begin sacrificing for your loved ones for the people around you what's very likely to happen is like what happened with job is you're going to you're going to accumulate great wealth you're going to accumulate whether it's it's specifically monetarily or if it's a great number of people who respect you and through that respect you earn this responsibility that you now bear and responsibility and power are kind of are are like cousins they they they're always together and maybe they're like twins responsibility and power are like siblings that are always together so there's a sense in which by the more sacri- more self-sacrificial you become the more powerful you become being able to affect signs and wonders is a form of power it's a form of of on um, uh, uh it, it's a it's an activity that's going to draw resources affection respect all these sorts of things to you so there's a sense in which we are called to strive after these types of things. Like gaining resources is not a bad thing. Accumulating resources to yourself is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Technologically innovating in a way that is going to make you wealthy is not inherently a bad thing. There's not, but but yet it's also very true on the other side that technology is inherently corrupting because they're not inherently corrupting, but it has a, it tends to have a corruptive corrosive effect because man, if men don't work, then they they wither away like literally physically you could you wither away if you don't work. Technology is a force multiplier that that begins to minimize the amount of actual work you have to do in return for by 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 leveraging the effort that you put out. So how do you balance these two these two forces? So say you have
1: this I mean, should should, of- should Jesus have swam the Sea of Galilee to catch fish? Mm. I mean, just you know. Like seriously, I mean, mm-hmm. he had a technology. and He got in a boat. I mean, was he complaining? Oh my goodness, what's this going to do to my work commitment? I mean, you know what I'm saying. Think about right, how right. we we'll overthink these things. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> would he have driven a car if they had a car back then?
0: You know, I mean, if they had exactly yes, yes, absolutely right. right. He rode a donkey. Like uh, he's he's using technology.
1: Yeah, somebody had to use technology to figure out how to get that thing to stay still so he can get on it. You
0: know what mm-hmm. I mean? <laughs> a rope, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean. Right. But- is that profane? Is that missing the mark? Is that a sin to put a rope around a donkey's head or whatever to move it? Hmm. I mean, how, there's a technology in making wine. He used some kind of technology to make wine, whatever he mm-hmm. did with the water. Um, what else is there? I mean, think about different. There's a kind of technology to the fishes and loaves. The gospel itself, as I've said, I call it the gospel technology. The gospel is a technology. Okay where you have the same mythic structure of scapegoat lynching, but told from a different camera perspective. So that's like an artistic technology. It's like the first time you have color versus black and white film, but much, much more staggeringly uh, paradigm shifting than that, right? Where, okay, we're going to get the same purging experience that a community is going to write as a thing that the gods did visiting upon them. To remind them not to break too many taboos of difference. <laughs> That's how they're going to misremember it <clears throat> so as to not face reality with what's really going on. Um and the gospel texts, these are texts written down with language, right? This is a type of technology meant to help you see things in a different light. And then you have a responsibility with that to do good things by that. And to like iconography.
0: Or, or to, is a technology. The Eucharist is a technology.
1: To build it, to build a hospital, mm-hmm. um, you know, putting mud on someone's eyes is a kind of technology to let them see. Mm. I mean, these are all. I mean, why are we scared of technology? How in the world are you going to build a city if there's a garden and there's fruit trees, and then there's a city with fruit trees and rivers? How are you going to get the city there if you're not building, if you're not using tools that are extensions of yourself?
0: And this is, this is what it means to exercise dominion. That, that's, that was the, they're terrified of the given. forest.
1: Remember that movie? What was that movie that came out? Uh, what was that movie that came out? Uh, her, uh, no, what by the guy that did hereditary or whatever is the movie about the uh, Midsummer? Remember that movie? The horror oh, movie? I, yeah.
0: I didn't see it, but I it was aware, but
1: I, girl, I, I, I can't watch stuff like all that. that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were terrified of the forest and they got, they got mad at him because he chopped or one of them chopped down a tree or something. You don't do that. Pagans are terrified of nature. Mm. Christians are not terrified of nature. Mm. The problem is, you know, it's obviously easy to point out the mistakes and the errors in that because, you know, we got uh, Christianity destroyed and demythologized nature so much that we've got goofballs like Fauci mixing, you know, chimeric, you know, bat stuff with human stuff, right? And putting putting human scalps on the backs of beagles' butts. Holy shnikes. I mean, mm. so there's an extreme lack of fear and reverence for nature that's been unleashed because of the biblical text impacting the Western mind such that nature is so not, we're so not afraid of it in that way that we're willing to do these huge, horrible things uh, merging of things to the point where it creates hell on earth. I mean, so there's a balance, right? I mean, obviously you have to have respect for boundaries, right? And trying to make, like you said, pig hearts. How's that going to work for our kosher Christian, a uh, Jewish Christians? My goodness. Mm. You know what I mean? Lord have mercy. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine that? What is the dilemma of that? You're not allowed to eat pork. You wake, you had a heart attack. Your doctor wakes you up and you got a pig heart. My God, I'm mm. like, going to heaven or not. You know, I'm not allowed to eat right. it. I'm stuck with a pig heart to live. Doc, you got anything better for me? Could
2: <laughs> <know? laughs> you
1: tell me to stop eating the seed oils,
0: Doctor? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the that's one all. One thing that, that I don't remember if that, it was, was that guy's
1: it, pig. That pig name from Looney Tunes.
0: Oh, uh, Porky Pig. Porky Pig. Yeah. We yeah, look. yeah. I'm
1: the Porky Pig.
0: <laughs> all I need. Yeah, I, I don't
1: remember if if tell you. me to stop eating seed oils. I don't heart. remember
0: if I heard it from you or if I heard it from someone else, but they said that, uh, that taking up your cross is like, we, we have this, this another one of these things that's almost become meaningless because we've heard it so many times that to, to take up your cross, people kind of interpret this as like the, the Jordan Peterson sort of interpretation of it is kind of like find the heaviest thing that you can lift. It's like, it, it, it's taken as like a, um, uh, like a burden like, this is your life, uh, burden that you get to carry. Well, that, that the heaviest thing that you can lift is, It's like a yo
1: mama joke. The
0: The heaviest thing that you can, that you can lift is the burden of the weight of the impending knowledge of your own death to Mm. take up your cross is to embrace your own death because the, who, who carried a cross the guy who was carrying the cross to the place where it was going to be mounted on a Hill and he was going to be nailed to it Mm -hmm. and die. That's what it is to take up your your cross. To take up your cross is to embrace your own death, to lose yourself, to lose sight of yourself. Not this individualism like the self is the the center of all things and all that's real is me and everything else is fake or, or I can't even know if anything else is real. No, the only thing that you can know is that you are fake, that you are hollow, you are empty and you must be diminished. You have to empty yourself rather than clinging to this pride. You let go of the pride you nail it to the cross and you embrace your own death. If you've embraced your own death, yeah. you're not going to do something like get a pig heart installed in you because you just want to squeeze out another eight years of meaningless existence. You're going to accept your death. Now is my time.
1: I don't, I don't know. It's it's a wrestling with that because I know what you mean. And I think you're right, but I think we have to be careful with the word embracing death because death is an enemy to be defeated. I mean, it's a, it's, mm. it's swallowed up in hell, you know, at the end, mm. you, it, Death is thrown into the lake of fire, too.
0: Yeah, it's we not embracing death. Satan it's embracing.
1: Is death is this other stronghold that's part of the complex of our problems, right? So we don't embrace. We don't want to hug death. We want to throw that son of a gun into the fire, right?
0: Right, throw right. That son
1: of a gun in the fire. But the way in which we do it, you trample out death by death.
0: Right, right. You embrace, right. The, you embrace the awareness of that. You embrace. You're not hiding from that. You're, you're recognizing and you're accepting that you're going to it's die. It's looking
1: at death and realizing that it's not the final word and that it's been right. defeated and therefore you're going to live forever. So start acting like it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, there are two deaths. There are two deaths. There's there's physical death and there's spiritual death. We're going to physically die, but, but we're gonna that's not forever. the real death. But we're yeah, going to live gonna have forever. Our body,
1: our, our body right now is a seed and it's going to plant even more incar- you know, fully, completely incarnated um, oneness with God, and it will be material, right? And that's the thing is like, we're not going to a disembodied earth that's going to be floaty, it's going to be physical. We might have Mount Everest mm-hmm. still here, we might be climbing it, we might be able to go find out those other planets and whatever else is going on out there, find Oslon, whoever that guy is. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we might be able to do a lot of things we weren't expecting. Um, but I think death anxiety is where you become owned by death. that's what Peter was di- driven by right that's why he slashes the ear right because he's 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 facing his mimetic double the the, the servant of the high priest um and, uh, and and therefore he's not hearing you know he doesn't have faith if faith comes by hearing he can't hear what Jesus has told him that we're not doing force and coercion to get the kingdom of God to come and so by trying to strive to the point of death to protect Jesus from death, you're not. You're not. You're still owned by death. You're mimetically still owned by death, right? And that's kind of like what uh, what we talk about with mimesis, where it's like you can do the mere opposite and still be governed by the principle of sovereignty mm-hmm. over you, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're ah don't don't kill him, don't kill him. Well, you're still owned by death. You're you're afraid of it. You're fearful of it, and therefore you're staying in the boat. You're staying in the boat. You know, Jesus, Peter had the opportunity. He could have broken. He could have disrupted potentially the memetic spell of the crowd trying to kill Jesus. You know, he could have faced the threat of death and social exclusion. Remember that, that girl was like, dude, you have a Hick accent. I know you're one of his friends. Hmm. You're one of his redneck friends. And he's like, no, that's not me, man. I, I don't talk like that. I don't know that guy. Right. That's the same. That was the mirror. It's the same thing as what he did when he slices the guy's ear. Right. Hmm. And the one he's struggling against death in a sense of like in the mere opposite, I want life and I'll kill to get it. Right. And then in the hmm. next moment, he's like, I want life and I'll sell out his life to get it. He's still owned by the fear of death and social exclusion is a kind of like uh, a down payment again, if you want to use that word on physical death, because to be socially alienated is to be in a living death. Right. Just ask people in solitary confinement right now what that's like, right? That's hell on earth. That's what Jesus experienced, right, on the cross. Peter didn't want to experience that. He didn't want, he was, he was melted over a girl, you know, a girl called him out. He's like, I don't have that country accent. That's not me. You know,
0: Hmm. that's a, there's a, there's a truth in there that, that has really, that really just stood out to me that, um, you talked about this tendency to, to otherize, to 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 point the finger at it. it's his fault it's the, 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 all these people nobody else is as good a christian as i am if everyone else is as good of a christian as i am then you know all these problems wouldn't be problems when in in reality the the presence of death in the world the the, the rise of of the spirit of antichrist the presence of evil in the world is no god didn't bring evil into the world man brought evil into the world and the presence of evil and the advance of the spirit of Antichrist is a judgment on the church. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the weakness of the church, that the church is allowing this. And God is allowing the church to allow this because he, he is, is, through Christ, he's, he's, he's permanently wedded to us. He's, he's permanently married to us, but he's respecting our will. And our will, if our will is is going to lead into destruction, then he's going to allow that to happen. But he's also going to set the path for us that we can take to bring ourselves and bring our loved ones back from destruction. And you mentioned earlier how the this deistic. You said, "What is it?" You said that that, that theology is biology. That this mm-hmm. this deistic, or biography, yeah, yeah, or biography, yeah, biography, yeah. That this, uh, um part of the reason why deism became so fashionable is and the same reason why, why communism is always like the, it's always an ideology of the aristocrats who are all these wealthy people who distinctly recognize their own insufficiency that they don't deserve all of this wealth. So they have to jigger, a, a some kind of an ideology that says actually, no, we're actually the smartest and the most brilliant and everyone else, if they were like us, then all would be well, the, the deism was born out of, in the lives of these individual men, absentee fathers. And today there's this crisis of fatherhood. There's this crisis of masculinity that people talk about. There's toxic masculinity, all these other different things. But in the in the same way that the church be, betraying its own responsibilities allows for the spread of evil and death, men betraying their responsibilities allows for the spread of... Mm-hmm. What, what's perceived as the errors of women, but women follow men. This is a natural biological reality. Mm-hmm. If, if the women are degenerating collectively, it's because the men have degenerated collectively. If the men are bearing their responsibility, if the men are carrying their crosses, if they're nailing themselves to the cross, then the women are going to follow the women are going to be drawn to them and they're going to follow with them. There's so when we talk about these deficits in, um, you know, Peter Thiel's uh, a little, his comment about us stagnating in the realm of atoms and advancing yeah. so far in the, in the realm of bits. I think there's a really interesting um, masculine feminine element at work there where you think about when, the stagnation really began like the 60s the 70s this is right about the same time that the distinct feminization of men began as well and if we're going to get if we're going to to not go back but move forward into an age in this third millennium where the church takes the forefront again of science and innovation and technology and healing diseases exploring the world understanding the world around us Understanding the garden that has been that we've been placed in, and then building this city of God, it's going to start with men. It's going to have to start with men. So, what does it mean then? Use the analogy of the cornerstone, becoming the cornerstone. How is Christ the cornerstone, and then how do men embody Christ in becoming the stones that are that 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 form the walls of the city of God?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I wanna I wanna wanna put out something I've thought about on that issue of feminine and masculine. I think that um this is something I've thought about and played with and I'll share it with you. <clears throat> um I think that earth is kind of like feminine, right?
2: Hmm. Mother and earth. So,
1: yeah, in the sense of like an archetypal kind of a feminine, you know, God incarnates um uh, earth. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I, I have this kind of running theory in my head in terms and I'm always talking about different radical technologies that people think, you know, what's that? I've never heard of that. And I, and I, and I, and I look at these things. I like, I like studying strange oddball people doing weird physics experiments and things like that. And I have noticed a pattern that it seems as if, uh, we have become overly masculine in the way and roughhousing Earth and the mm. way we explore our technologies and watch this. And it and it corresponds with a kind of feminine, emasculated society. So mm-hmm. we gotta get that in balance again. So if we learn to to romance nature, this is this is a good one. It gives me I get excited because this is crazy stuff. That's the fun stuff. If we learn to romance nature and the way we produce energy and be delicate and feminine and graceful, and be more feminine in the way we approach and harness nature it reorders back to a masculine social order where there's boundaries mm. and differentiation respected without violence. And so what that means is if you're so fixated on the combustion engine that you haven't thought about magnetic fields, gently creating low temperature nuclear energy without blowing things up, you could just use magnetic fields that are in, nat- in nature to create, and I'm not going to do it justice. I'll let Dr. You explain it. Then maybe that's not, maybe we need to move away from blow things up to get energy. Uh, and the same thing with um now there's a stupid way of doing that too, by the way, where you're so romantic to nature that you're impotent in the energy you produce, like wind farms and solar panels. Okay. That's too romantic. <laughs> not, not a, you're not you're not able to take care of society. You know, we need to have, you know, reliable energy that's affordable, you know, and not not, you know. And so obviously the, you know, you can't go that way. That's the dumb fake green energy. See how we take back the terms, by the way. Uh huh. I hate these stupid conservative people. The green energy? No, it's fake green energy. Mm-hmm. It's fake. Just like fake, you know, news or whatever. Fake so, mainstream
0: media. Yeah.
1: The same thing. Same thing with I keep talking about elemental transmutation, and people think, "What the heck are you talking about?" Right? But I mean, I've literally investigated this, and you can go back and look at science and New episodes, and you'll see that we've hinted about what we've looked at. But there's this evidence that you can take microwave fields, which are a type of magnetic field, and you can use uh, relatively lower temperatures to actually gently cajole one element into another element. Now you're hmm. not supposed to. Oh. oh my goodness, scary demons are coming out. Oh my goodness. Oh, no. That's pagan. Sorry, we're not thinking right. like pagans. But if, if if we can use, if we can eat trash, and find rare earth elements, power hmm. electronics, or to provide you know things that we need, then we don't have to violently penetrate the earth with these mining things that end up exploiting labor and creating wars. Like why do we want North Korea, $6 trillion worth of untapped rare earths in there, you know, and China has got access to things that we want and all these things. So that puts all this tension and puts all this violence and conflict and sacrificial bloodshed on the table where you can heal that by having a more gentle, feminine, graceful approach to nature. Low temperature, gentle, and all of a sudden we're moving one element to another, right? And guess what? When we have rare earth elements that are abundant from from trash, now we can alleviate that ridiculousness of having a over a, uh, overbearing motherly prison system to regulate everything and to incarcerate mm. us and to regulate and control and and give us three square meals inside of the belly of the prisons. Which is, by the way, don't ever let any of these little tough guy little Caesars tell you. That they're tough on crime because they want to send people to prison forever. That's hmm. a very overbearing mother approach. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. think about that. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then they say, "Oh, I, I want tougher than that." Okay, okay. You go ahead. You be the first to bring back crucifixions, buddy, big tough guy. They don't want it. They're just it's <laughs> again, it's larping. It's trying to be right. tough. They're desperate. They're they need they need help. They need they want to feel like there's. I don't mean help in the middle. They need help in terms of they want solutions and they're desperate for answers. And they're and it's hard to kick against the pricks. But you see what I mean? Like anti-gravity. Why do we have to have cars that have to have tires and all this friction on the road? Why can't we have anti-gravity? Why can't we realize that gravity is not just an attractive force, but it also has a repulsion to it. And if that's the case, then how do we gently use that? And how do we think about that? It might be right under our noses, right? You see what I mean? So that's incarnating feminine, treating earth in a feminine way. And then that somehow opens up radical decentralization so that, men the way you know governments have can be you know t- men tend to be more liberty oriented instead of like trying to create a big giant overbearing you know controlling nanny state right mm-hmm. and it balances out and that's neat? It's pretty cool i mean i think it's pretty cool <laughs> now that's, what uh, did i did i go off on too much of a different topic? no
0: that's this is perfect because i was you so 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 adam's thinking about adam's versus bits so if you think about these kind of stereotypically women have always have often been associated with healing. There's this like, like nursing yeah. nurses mm-hmm. is overwhelmingly represented with women because there's this nat, the natural motherly nurturing instinct that's associated with healing. When a man is sick, like he just wants to lay his head in his wife's lap and just have her rub his back. And like, you get the man cold where he just kind of turns into a great big baby and you want that nurturing motherly instinct. So there's a natural in the world of Adam's, You get this natural feminine, the the, the feminine spirit is naturally drawn to it. Whereas men tend to be a lot more rational and, and, and I'm saying that almost as a pejorative men tend to be much more the, the realm of bits. Like if you think about computer engineers and, and software programmers and all this sort of thing, like that's the domain of men, men are the ones overwhelmingly represented there because that more kind of trapped in your head, heady intellectual thing, that's much more masculine. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you have a, when, when men stop being men, women start being men. And if women start being men, now you get poor women and poor men because women mm-hmm. make poor men. If mm-hmm. the women start becoming men, then the men have to start becoming the women because there's these, these, these kind of, uh, oppositional forces where one will breed the other. So it's no wonder that our, 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 our gender roles are all, um, thrown in the air. Because it, it began with men no longer being responsible, capable, Christ-like men. The the loss of... I think that you can this draw can be a connection explained here.
1: And, this can be explained anthropologically because competition breeds on differentiation. Yes. And that's why ancient societies had strict uh, prohibitions and taboos to keep their hierarchies in place uh, because they the only resolution they had, if you had runaway competition, was a type of sacrificial controlled act of violence, right? And they didn't want to let that get out of control because then it'd be violence all the time. So it's like, okay, this is our one special trick that our ancestors taught us when they visit, they were visited by the gods. And so we know to employ it instinctively, somebody needs to be blamed and you, and you don't, and you don't, it's not even like you rationally think it, it's just a feeling, you know, it's a group feeling. And you're like, this, you know, this is, we, we do this and then it becomes sacrifice. So there's lynchings and then there are sacrificial reenactments of lynchings and that both can take place and both can provide catharsis in a ancient civilization or ancient tribal community. And, and that was a means of, of, of creating and of staving off radical out of control, mimetic undifferentiation. And so what Jesus does is he takes the bumpers of our bowling game away and now we got to learn to, to strike or else we're going to fall into the gutter of history. Mm. And so that's the our civilization is at a test now. It's been tested and the question is are we going to be found wanting or not? Are we going to learn mm. to to ball and strike like an adult or are we going to, are we so dependent on sacrificial violence which is being completely destroyed rapidly because technology is one of those Christian technology is a type of Christian technology that allows humanity to see itself In more and more grotesque ways, Mm. the more you see yourself in more and more grotesque ways, the more you're repulsed. And then you try to double down with another uh, narrative flimsy as it can be to, to create that kind of transcendence and otherwise somebody else, but it keeps failing and it keeps failing and it creates schism after schism after schism. And the only way to, to stop this is to stop relying on sacred violence and to stop deifying your neighbor, right? your neighbor is made in the image of God and you desire to be with God, you are made in the image of a Trinity, Mm
2: -hmm. which
1: means relation is part of your being, which means you are always, if you're not careful, going to have a tendency to deify the other. Mm. That's what I'm I'm explaining the theology Mm. of mimesis right now, right? You Mm -hmm. deify the other. My career is not going right, but theirs is. Something's not right. I'm not getting my just desserts or whatever in life. Uh, you know, something's holding me back. It's my race. It's my, whatever my childhood traumas, whatever it is, holding me back. It's unfair, but that person seems to have a a much more unfair blessing and they get to get coast in life. I have to do this much amount of work and they have to do this much amount of work and they get to have all that. And I get to have all this little bit. It's not fair, right? That's deifying the neighbor, but it's, it's a twisted desire of something in which you really want to have transcendence by relationship with the other, which is the Trinity. So when mm-hmm. you misplace that into worship of the creation rather than worship of the creator, then you get into this kind of mimetic repulsion and attraction, which is what we call mimetic rivalry. And again, uh, when you, when you, w- w- what Christianity does is that it starts to, it starts to show how some forms of hierarchy and some types of differentiation are violent and unfair. Right. And what the left does, what wokeism, and, and what, that's just the latest fundamentalist version of what was political correctness before that and something else before that. The left is basically saying, well, re- differentiation itself is violent mm. because it can be the occasion for safe, scapegoating, right? So mm-hmm. when you are in an, a primordial sense, everybody's stressed out. I'm talking it's ancient society times. We haven't had rain in a long time. You're getting stressed. And I'm getting stressed, and you and I are starting to have friction. We used to get along, now we're having problems. And it's much easier for us to point at the little uh, dwarf who's three foot tall and say, that guy, you know, why is he so uh, abnormally small? It may be the gods hate him, and he's brought that curse into our community. And so, you know, um, because Mike makes right, you know, that kind of framework is implicit in that kind of pagan way. You say get rid of that guy that guy brought in the, the wrath of the gods and you put him on a pole or whatever and you throw him off of a cliff that's horrible but that's what that's what people do and they in that visceral reality of watching someone die and killing them at, with your neighbor that you were you and I hated each other and now we get along that's such a rapid emotional spiritual transition boom such a relief that it gives you the sense of tr- shared transcendence which is a false form of the shared transcendence of Trinitarian relationality. Does that make sense?
2: Mm, That's the Satan.
1: That's the Satan. That's why Jesus said, behold, I see Satan fall like lightning because that framework was considered to be divine and then God destroyed it and it fell Mm. like lightning to the earth. And now we know it as the accuser. Now we know it as the false religion that we're all tempted by to this day. We do this in every type of way you can imagine. We do it. You know, you go to a a high school reunion and everybody's kind of, shy and whatever and you break the ice because you remember stories that are making fun of a friend that you know everybody laughed at that's a yeah. proto scapegoating catharsis you're building rapport by you know kind of at the expense of somebody else right the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone but in so doing right what happens is now the revenge of the nerds is taking place right now the people <laughs> who are the butt of the jokes are now taking over the world right uh. but they will too create more blowback in the form of these little guys that get on there with Bronze Age prayer. Oh, be good. Now we're the victims because we work out. Ugh, That's, they're they're going to try to do the same stupid cycle, eternal return, stupidity, totally owned by the crowd, totally owned by the fake sacred, totally religious, totally missing the boat. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: if you think about what, what is masculinity and what is femininity, masculinity is that which gives and femininity is that which receives. There's a whole joke about how a a woman will, will take whatever you give her and give it back to you like tenfold. So if you, you know, if you give her seed, she'll give you a child. If you give Mm -hmm. her a house, she'll make it a home. Um, and if you, if you give her bullshit, then she's going to give you a mountain of crap back. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but that, that it's getting at that idea that, that, that the, the masculine perspective is that which gives that which which pours out christ we are the bride of the church with respect to with or we are the bride of christ with respect to christ the church is feminine because right. we receive right. from him mm-hmm. he gives to us yeah but then That's with like respect Mary, to the right? world
1: is the is this is the womb right for incarnation right to take place right the earth these are, arch- right. I mean, archetypes have yes. some play here. I mean, I, I, I like to, I like to focus more on, you know, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, the anthropology, but archetypes have a certain, there's a lot of truth to it, you know, using those patterns, you know? Right. Like even somebody respect- told me about like uh little mermaid. I, I mean, I haven't seen that new movie or whatever, but the idea of the earth, the the ocean being like the belly of the earth, right. It's at the bottom mm-hmm. of the earth. And that's like, that, that's where mermaid That's feminine. And then, the The guy on the ship, he's from the land. That's the mind. That's mm. heavenly, heaven and earth coming together, right? And that, like, and bringing you know legs is like you know incarnational reality happening where you're, you know, the technology boats, right? You know what I mean? Right. Nature being brought into the city, right?
0: Right. Nature, to, right. you
1: know, you know, garden to city. You know, the, the,
0: so the church. The church is the. Um with respect to humanity, to the rest of the world, the church is masculine because the church is giving to the world. You give mm-hmm. to the world, whether you're giving um, in, in the in the like donational like charity sense right. or whether you're giving of yourself, you're sacrificing yourself for the world. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not a coincidence then in that model that the church is constructed visibly as a hierarchy of men because mm-hmm. the church has the masculine role with respect to the rest of the world mm. that this, this yeah the, the way that these um the way the relationship with
1: god, it's feminine yeah
0: right right mm-hmm. so we receive from god we give to the world and then the so you have the the feminine garden at the beginning and the masculine city at within the, the garden yeah within the, the garden,
1: garden right rivers right for healing right of the nation right. what does it mean right. to have healing of the nations i <laughs> mean it would start what? with getting rid of seed oils. I mean, come on. See, right. I, believe, I believe that like, uh, see, I, I take that when it says, you know, for God to so love the world, right? I believe that Jesus is saving the world. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a defeatist mindset. I think Are you familiar with the football.
0: recapitulation theory of atonement?
1: I mean, I've heard of it. What is, what is it in your...
0: It, mo- most simply, it's essentially that oh, I'm... Uh, is I it Athanasius it or what is it? um athanasius and i think the first person who um uh was it irenaeus i think was one of the first people to really um he might have been the first one to use the term i think it was irenaeus someone in the comments is gonna is gonna yell at me for not getting it right um but it as the the notion essentially is that is that god saves the world by saving humanity that that Mm -hmm. humanity is that that the world fell with humanity because Mm -hmm. our role metaphysically um interfaced with creation is such that when man falls, the rest of creation falls with him. Right, right. And that Christ in saving man has, has recapitulated in, in his saving through creation through man. And that this is what it meant for man to exercise dominion over the earth. Man, Adam's first responsibility was to name the animals. And that's not just like he's saying, all right, we're going to call you zebra. We're going to call you lion. We're going to call it. We're just making up some mouth sounds. A name is an identity. A name is like is like the thing that defines you. So Adam's job was to put creation in order, to justify creation, mm-hmm. to uh, to give you meaning and purpose, to give you meaning and purpose, to align you together, to order creation. And every and then, animal
1: and every gemstone has a meaning. It has revelation about what God is like.
0: Yes, they're all yes.
1: designed as images of little partial reflections of of like God's character and personality. That's why he says, "Study the ants and." right you know, behemoth and all these different things, you know,
0: in the sense that, that Jesus is, Jesus is both God and man together. So you, you, you have humanity and then humanity is mixed with, with God in the same way you, the how is man created? He, he spoke the animals into existence, but with man, he took existing creation, fashioned it, and then breathed into it. Mm -hmm. So man was, was from the beginning, man was inextricably bound up with creation. He was made Mm -hmm. out of the existing creative material. Mm -hmm. And then the spirit, the life was put into him by God. So there's the same kind of a similar model here where you have, I don't want to speak of these things too strictly or too literally, but, but where you have, um, God becoming merged with humanity and humanity being merged with creation. So that then God saving man is saving creation. Yeah. Man falling away from God is creation falling
1: right. away. Right. That's why That's why creation is groaning, right, in the, in the New Testament. Right. In birth pains, right. right, for the new world order of Jesus Christ, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, people who study midwifery or whatever, they talk about, you know, like, you can have pain-free birth when you learn to not try to control the process, but go right. through it, you know, in a kind of right. natural cycle way of the body that's very feminine and very mysterious and very earthy in a way that you know trying to control it through medicalization and all that just totally makes it much more harder and difficult and more uh health risking too right Mm -hmm. that's what that's the problem right faith the opposite of faith is control trying to control the process rather than trusting right and so when you don't trust in the goodness of your creator if you don't trust in the concept that death has been defeated. If you don't trust that Jesus has given you authority, right? And that you are to perform signs and wonders, if you don't trust all that, you're going to try to control it through left brain-dominated kind of control mechanisms, and it's going to create backfiring after backfiring, schism after schism, and more and more conflict and hell on earth, which is what we see in the headlines today in our life. But you know, the good news is. That things are going to go in the direction that christ wants it to be Christ is sovereign and Christ is saving the world and we shouldn't be afraid of that vocation you know
0: hmm. well we're coming up here on i know you've got a heart out here um and, and having this conversation i think this is there's there's a, there's many directions that this conversation can go we've spent i we, we've spent a lot of time speaking in 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 you know kind of in metaphors or in in we've been a little um uh, kind of detached from the earth a little bit here so like as we come back down as we as we land the the plane here what is um what are some tangible things that you're working on that you would encourage other people to either support or do their own version of that are actual like literal tangible steps that they can take forward if they're if they're feeling compelled by this worldview and they want to start um, embodying this in their own, in their own life, how can they, how can they go forward?
1: Embodying what in their own life?
0: This The spirit that we're talking about, the spirit of, of, of Christianity innovating and, and, and building the city of God in, in the world today. Well, the
1: Holy spirit means defense attorney empirically means defender, mm-hmm. right? Defender of victims. So don't be afraid to go and stand in, in defense of victims uh, and, and show the world how to do it right. Right. Don't be afraid to, to wash the feet of those who you think have lesser status than you. Like whatever you believe you don't be status obsessed, wash the feet of those who you want to emulate you, because then you'll create a positive mimetic reciprocity by which people are one upping each other and their humility and their mm. posture of service to one another. I mean, that's the basic thing is just watch the, uh, the, uh, impacts of the world, uh, digging into you without you being aware of it, you know, be, be aware of the fact that, uh, mimetic desire is driving so many of the things that you are so desirous of wealth or uh, aestheticism or whatever it is. Be aware of that. Be aware of the folks in your life through your life that have been modeling desires that you have Uh, you've been unconsciously or consciously modeling and not finding satisfaction. The more you try to draw closer to the object that they are modeling for you, the more you realize how unsatisfying it is and how, how many, how many warts you see on it, you know, when you're up close. And and so just be being, being liberated by being liberated from individualism is the only way to become a true person. Right. Oh, that's a bar. And that's a, that's something that folks who are libertarian inclined would be would do well to understand. At the same time, for those on the right who are always looking for some Caesar, like no, 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 just because we we're critiquing individualism doesn't mean we go into the other stupid thing of, you know, begging for a little Caesar and looking to the sky for some macho to hear it save you. Like that's that's lame, and it's not true. It's it's a lie, and it's a lie from hell, and hell is where we're ending up in. And uh, if we don't stop doing that right okay because hell gehenna is the destruction of the american temple in our life in a way mm. that very brutal and violent and horrible and ongoing you know and so you're going to reap what you sow if you if you keep trusting in false gods and false messiahs to save you um you're going to keep sowing and you're going to reap that same whirlwind of destruction and you're going to end up in the fires of gehenna mm. Uh, and if you keep using Jesus as an object to get you a special boy status so you can go debate other people online and tweet against your opponents then again you're playing around like a child you need to grow up the Bible's about growing up just like it goes from a garden to a city it, the Bible's about becoming an adult about growing up that's what Paul talks about milk is the, you know that's 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 law and then you get into wisdom right and that's where you're growing up Now you're learning how to embrace the paradox of things, right? How can you be embracing personhood, David, but also rejecting individualism? Well, Christianity helps you see how Mm. to do that,
2: right? Mm.
1: I mean, just because, I mean, nonviolence is the glue that shall bind us together. We're either going to be bound by creative violence or creative nonviolence. The first stone, right? All the stones Mm. are going to go throw it at this woman. That's creative violence. There's a problem, adultery, right? And the problem is, if that's left unchecked, then it's going to spread like wildfire and pollute and destroy the community with undifferentiation. So what do we do? Because undifferentiation means who's married to who. It's all chaos at that point if you let this woman go unpunished. Right? That's, that's the thinking, right-wing mm-hmm. thinking. And throw stones, and that will be creative uh, creative violence. Because what's the solution? Well, we killed her. We stopped it. We made a deterrence. That was the creative act. It was violent. <clears throat> and Jesus puts the emphasis on the first stone because the first stone is the hardest thing to be the person to throws who throws without a model, the person mm-hmm. who initiates creative violence without a model, the person who puts in the first nail without the model, the per into the hand of somebody else, right? The person who castigates on tweet on Twitter before there was a model. It's always that first stone, which is the, the hardest thing to do, which initiates a mimetic contagion, either for God or for Satan. So when you do the first stone, that's the hardest emphasis. That's why Jesus puts emphasis on that. That's how he's social Aikido destroying the hive mind that's possessing them. He says, who's going to cast the first stone? Now he's breaking their group thinking, He's breaking their collectivism. He's getting them to mm. think, okay, who is it going to be? Is it going to be me or Bob? Because I know Bob's a bit of a hellion, And I know, Timmy, I know what you do. Yeah, I don't know. And now you're emphasizes that the personal responsibility of the stone. When you're throwing in a crowd, you don't even know if you're stoned. If they all throw in at the same time, even hit the woman, it could have hit the ground next to her. Who knows? ain't That's right. That's why they, that's why the ancient, ancient killings always do collective herd things. Like remember when they're trying to throw him off the cliff, they start going, they'll start walking towards him so that he falls off the cliff and he like vanishes right out of the way. Mm. And so that way nobody, I didn't kill him. You didn't kill him. We just kept walking and he fell off the cliff. Uh, uh, so there's always this like lack of like personal agency involved in these kind of collective murders. So Jesus is bringing that to awareness, and so then what happens is Jesus gets them to account for what they're doing, and then he gets them to do. Wait a second, let's have the first stone of nonviolence, and so the laying of the stone down. It says the elders threw the stone down first, so they were the ones who were more prestigious in the crowd, and so others looked at them and imitated them and mm. said, "Hey, that's what a man does. He lets go." Of a stone instead of murdering this woman because he's got sin in his own heart too. So then that creates a mimetic contagion of nonviolence, creative nonviolence. What's the creativity happening in that act of mimetic nonviolence? Repentance, right? Because now she's got Mm. this ecstatic moment. She was about to be killed. She was ashamed. Now she's been saved by grace. And guess what? Now she wants to repent without having any violence done to her. And Jesus comes to her and says, go and sin no more. You're free. You, you know, now the left wants to kill Jesus because, you know, he said, go and sin no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, still, we still maintain differentiation without the threat of violence. Hmm. And the right wants to kill Jesus because he didn't go along with killing the woman who was impure, who was creating a contagion of, of, uh, shame. Uh, and, and, and that you see those people on right on the right all the time online time. Oh no, 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 we got to get tough. No more turn-of-the-cheek stuff. No, no, no. You haven't even tried it. Mm. You haven't even tried it. And so how does a nation, this is why I want to ask these little right-wing, I'm, I like picking on them because, you know, they, they like to act like they're tough. I want to ask you guys, little little Caesars out there, how in the world can you say you're tough because, oh, I'm a Christian nationalist, but you want to go ahead and say, oh, we don't have time for turning of the cheek. we got to have a Caesar. Our nation hasn't even begun to repent. We haven't even tried it. You have so many wars, so many lies, false flags, surveillance, destruction of the family. How many rapes go on every day? You send a boy into a prison for a small sense. He comes out, you know, sodomized a thousand times. What the hell does that do to his spirit? He brings that hell back to home. And you think you're a tough guy because you did that? Hmm. You think you're a Christian because you did that? You're not a tough guy. And you're not knowing little Christian na- You're not building a Christian nation. You're building a nation of shame, a body of death. Mm. So how about we try repentance for once, and actually try it, and actually live it out incarnationally instead of saying, "Oh, I'm going to follow Jesus nonviolence," but that's a suffering servant little trick he did, and I'm going to go send my pr- neighbor to a rape cage because he got high. How about you actually try to think through the social ordering principle of nonviolence as Jesus. Creatively demonstrates it in every aspect of his life. Try it before you go and say we don't have time for turning of the cheek. Just try it and see what you can do because that's creative nonviolence, and that's actually how we heal the nations and baptize
0: the nations. Hmm. Instead of how would you say this? So there's scientism, which is which is not you, you had science, and then you have scientism, and then you have. Christianity and then you have like christianism where it kind of gets at that christianian thing that i was saying at the beginning where mm. rather than christ being at the heart of it it's this yeah. vague sense of what of what is, is like the the aesthetic of of christianity that's being worshiped versus christ himself
1: right right Yeah, it's like a talisman. It's like an ancient talisman they found, and they keep it, and they lug it around whenever they're traveling. You know, they put it in the back of their car. This is a secret talisman. It's called Christianity. Ooh, I got it. You know, It's like, okay, buddy, go go ahead, pagan. You still act like a pagan, man. Come on. We have to grow up, man. You know, that's child's play. Mm. When I was a child, I was a spake as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. It's time to grow up. Stop Mm. putting your little isms together and stop trying to – Come up with a new little niche, you know. Repent. And not repent in the same of like, oh I'm such a loser. No, just stop doing what you're doing. Stop voting for false gods. Stop justifying it. Stop having an envious, resentful heart. Stop begging for violence against your enemy. Go wash the feet of some transgender person. Go wash the feet. Hmm. And make sure no one's looking. Because hmm. then you're doing it for the right reason. Mm-hmm. Try that before you go and say, oh, we've tried the turning of the cheek thing. Now we got to get a Caesar. You haven't tried nothing. You've been trying false flags and patriot acts and war on drugs and war on education and war on poverty and all this garbage. Those are just a like collective manifestations of the spirit of the persons that are going along with this nonsense. Idolizing welfare, and warfare and all this stuff. So you thought I was going to roast on a libertarian. Now I sound like I'm friends with him again, right? Because it's a balance, man. It's not about the right. ideology of individualism. Who said you have to buy into that nonsense that we're islands unto ourselves to love mm. your neighbor and not want to put them in a rape cage mm. for a nonviolent sin, right? Like You don't have to buy into this dumb ideology of, an, of rationalism to 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 know what's true in your heart from, con- from the conscience that God's given you. And the, and the Holy Spirit. There's a reason He gave us the Holy Spirit. That's our defense attorney, and that's what we appeal to when we're dealing with the accuser. That's what we stand in solidarity with the woman caused uh, accused of adultery. Stop it. We're gonna have. We're still gonna ma- see. It's maintaining differentiation with nonviolent love. That's the secret. It's not that hard. The left wants to take away differentiation. Because they're afraid it might get the girl killed, right? If we say that adultery is wrong, it might get her killed. And that's not fair. And so they're they're pointing out a part of the gospel. So hmm. you just got to harmonize the left and the right parts, and then you get the full picture back in place together. See what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. Left
1: says don't give any differentiation because that might get that girl killed. And they're they're speaking about a Holy Spirit truth that's, that's partially true, deeply true. And that's mm-hmm. why they're more effective at moving culture than the right is. And then the right says, but no, but we can't allow this to be said to be just as good as marital fidelity. I mean, come on. If we do that, we'll be destroyed. We'll be totally disintegrated. So it'll be a poisonous mimetic contagion. So the answer in the Christian way is, no, we maintain differences. Fidelity is good, right? Adultery is bad. But we're not going to murder and sacrificially lynch people in order to maintain that difference. We're going to learn how to be adults.
0: Hmm. That was fantastic. That was, I I I could keep you here for hours longer. We could talk about Ray Pete. We could talk about (laughs) uh, we could talk about uh, ancient history that's been untold. We could talk about cycles of catastrophes. We could talk about uh, elemental transmutation and other forms of of uh, uh, cheap energy. Maybe in the future we'll have a conversation like that. For now. Uh, do you have any plugs, any, anywhere you want to send people? Sure.
1: I mean, go to our website and a uh, with the, a, a neighbors choice.com. Um, and our podcast is just search for my name, David Gronoski, um, as it's spelled on the screen here, um, uh, at whatever podcast you like, uh, contribute to the show. If you, you like what we're doing. Um, we're not sponsored by Pfizer <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, have fun.
0: Awesome. sounds good i've got some super chats here that i'm going to read through um you're welcome to stick along stick around as long or as little as you want sure. um i want to i want to rec- recognize the the super chats that i got um so i appreciate you david this has been this has been a lot of fun and we should do this again um let me scroll up here and hit some of these uh da, da, da. okay so two-bit podcast who I, I think you've you've talked with him before uh with jason and mark this is jason he sent twenty dollars australian um oh what is it called uh, roo bucks this is what this is a term for for australian dollars they're Ru bucks adam became aware of his nakedness after the fall we became aware of our spiritual poverty after the cross and then uh, another one down here got $5 from random username appreciate you buddy and then another $20 of ru- or, or another 20 Ru bucks here from jason he said our collective awareness of the desire for the transcendent will be the revelation of this age um, Jason and I last night had in the, in the, uh, the discord, um, the, the supporting listeners discord for Kingpilled. We had a very interesting conversation related to this talking about, um, about competency and, um, the, the, our role in embracing this responsibility for, for innovating, for healing, for saving people, for saving the world. Um, and that competency is going to be at the core of that because, um, uh, the current situation with you, you've got the stakeholder capitalism with Klaus Schwab yeah. and um, you
1: just a cheap rip off of Jesus, man. We don't need to. Worry right.
0: About it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: The cheap and one of cheap one. And it's, it's
0: and it's, it's, and, it's and corruption is what is me. corruption is what is enshrined at the center of it. Yeah. So it's the project is doomed to fail. Uh, but but see the, the thing with stakeholder capitalism is that um, and I don't I don't want to keep you so at any point here if you want to peace out then feel free to no I was
1: gonna out. do what we do you know we got and in, in the south you got to pass that bucket right again to get some more uh, some time right and right offer. right get some more <laughs> before we can pay the rent for this building come on yeah. pass the chicken bucket again come on get some more <laughs> donations in from our brother here come on
0: um so the thing with stakeholder capitalism is that it's not wrong this notion that companies, if a company is to exist, they don't just have a duty to their shareholders. If that's, if that's a contractual relationship they've entered in, sure, fair enough, whatever. But a proper company does owe a duty to its stakeholders. It does owe a duty to its community. It does owe a duty to its employees. It does owe a duty to its, its vendors. Stakeholder capitalism is true,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but At the heart of it is incompetence and corruption because it's not an incarnational philosophy. It has no vitality. It has no life. It's dead. But if you build a Christian company, an explicitly Christian company, where you sacrifice yourself into that, where you're solving problems for other people, you're making other people's lives easier. You're taking away pain and suffering. You're healing people. You're you're performing signs and wonders through technological innovation and development to make housing cheaper, to make energy cheaper, to improve this food supply, to make, generate make additional livable land.
1: Architecture more beautiful.
0: Yes. Usually all of, of, of these
1: agriculture, things. like our buddy Joel Saladin.
0: Yes. Yes. This is the frontier.
1: Anti-gravity. I mean, what we need Christians need to be flying into their next TED Talks at that Davos meeting with anti-gravity hoverboards get on stage and wash that stinking klaus schwab's feet just to show them that this is what it means to be christ mm. we show up mm. we show we, we make them look come on you know
2: <laughs> this, this is the
1: real this is the, the real men are showing up now the real adults in the room are showing up i don't want to use these words silly but i mean it's true i mean it's like let, let's show it let's show these wannabes how it's done stop mm. with this what weak mindset of Fleeing for the hill. I mean, there's a time to flee for the hills. I mean, if it gets acutely bit bad, I mean, you know, Jesus said, go to the hills. Sometimes you got to go to the hills. But if, if it's not all done yet, you come back down from the hills when you, <laughs> when the mm-hmm. summer of love is over and you get back to work, you know, trying mm-hmm. to clean up the town. That was,
0: that was one thing I was thinking about earlier that I, I don't think I said this, that with the, um, Growing up in a Protestant denomination that is so uh, fixated on the end times to the point where this this world hardly even matters, mm-hmm. there's it 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 it's, it generates this hopelessness kind of this it generates a form of nihilism about the day to day life because it's like well this world doesn't matter what what's the use of trying to save what's the use of trying to innovate what's the use of trying to explore. What's the use of trying to to study the stars or 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 examine geological evidence of things or what? Like, what's the point of all of this? Because mm-hmm. this world is going to pass away. All of this stuff is 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 just um, fleeting and temporary. But that's not the that's not the world that the Bible describes. That's not the mm-hmm. world that the Church has described for two thousand years. Mm-hmm. This this world was created and it was called good. God created this world and said it is good. So by exploring this world, by 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 fashioning good things out of this world, we're quite literally participating in the act of creation through Christ, with Christ.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right.
0: Random username here said, ten dollars super chat. See, this is this is real bucks." He said, uh, "I think modern Christians are reluctant on the technology Bible merge arguments because it's embraced by atheists who believe the ancient alien mythos that God was just an advanced alien." you have any thoughts on that?
1: I'm sure there's a lot of excuses to stay on the plantation.
0: Mm, perfectly said. Ten more Rubux here from Jason. He said, we don't fear death. We fear judgment, which is symbolized by the cross. And then let's get down to the next one. We got $5 super chat from AJ Alonzo. Appreciate you, man. And uh, And I think that's it. All right, so we we, we pass the bucket back around and one more like, time.
1: We gotta pay rent. Look, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh the water bill coming up. Right.
0: <laughs> Speaking of that water bill, how can we make that water bill uh lower? How can we uh yeah. how can we reduce the, the the, cost of the water bill? That's right. Yeah. Um desalination, radical
1: technology, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm.
0: You Are you familiar that? with OTEC? It's a let me see what the exact uh abbreviation is here. It's um, ocean oh, I... thermal energy conversion. Mm-hmm. It's a processor technology for producing energy by harnessing the temperature differences or thermal gradients between ocean surface waters and deep ocean waters. Um it's pretty fascinating. I, I just encountered it recently. And basically it's a way that you can you you take the the cold mineral rich water from deep down in the ocean and you pump it up to the surface. And somehow the, using that that thermal gradient, you can generate really, really cheap electricity. Uh, To the point where it's near zero, while also harvesting the 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 minerals, the mineral-rich water down there, you can harvest those minerals and draw them up. One of the most so there's something for you to
1: do. Find those guys that are doing that. Put them on your show.
0: Yep, yep.
1: Plug the heck out if they need a fundraising or something. Go plug. Uh There's something. There's Mm -hmm. something for you to do. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you want like an incarnational example, see if it works. Test it against other technologies and efficiencies and costs and all the other regulations, and all these things, and, you know, throw it up against the wall and see if it sticks. Mm-hmm. That's what Christians should be doing. That's what conservatives yeah. should be doing. That's what you should, be. if you're going to CPAC, you should be talking about that. And it shouldn't be get me elected and we're going to raise funds for OTEC or whatever the heck that is. I'm you know? mm-hmm. going to raise government stuff. No, just like, okay, if this thing works, we shouldn't have to use welfare to make it happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then bring it to the masses. That's an example of, you know, that's what we should spend our time focused on. Not every, you know, not, I mean, we, it's all, I, I want, I haven't said it enough, but art is just as important here, but that's another time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right, why I yeah, said man. the gospel technology, making art with that gospel technology infused in it is important too. extremely mm-hmm. important,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: that's that. I mean, I've never felt more alive when I'm doing a creative act, when I'm creating fiction or something like that. I mean, it's just like you feel so in touch with your, creator you know you just feel alive with that and i'm sure it's the same thing when you're tesla or whatever playing around with a tesla coil in colorado springs you know you you know you're playing around that i mean he's in he's in tune with his creator. Mm.
2: beautiful
1: it's beautiful and we've missed it we've missed it man we've turned ourselves into a bunch of luddites because we're disembodied we don't have an anthropology without an anthropology then you don't really know what the heck you're supposed to be doing and getting out of the boat right
2: Mm-hmm.
1: that's so i mean this is not that hard i'm not talking about esoteric stuff mm-hmm. i know some of it seems like it because we've been told not to talk about like elemental transmutation that's a scary word what it, i mean it's a fancy word for just a technology that would help alleviate a lot of pain and suffering and 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 lack that, mm. that people are, are owned by poverty and the fear and the shadow of death and we're going to get rid of the shadow of death that's what it means to throw death into the lake of fire is that Africa doesn't have to go, you know, chip away at mines and so forth, or be beholden to all these NGO crooksters, you know, little crooks and neo-colonialist little scams and so forth. I mean, everybody else, for that matter, right? You know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. that throws the death into the into the into the lake of fire. Mm. We we are we are throwing the debt. We are throwing death into the fire in so many different ways. Little things, you know, when someone disrespects you and you don't return it. With ugliness, you just have joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of mm. the Lord is my strength. Remember that every day, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Every time the news gets you down, or whatever, you know, bad news you hear about personal health or anything like that. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And that allows you having that joyful lightness of being, allows you to not be uh, you know, drawn down by mimetic weight, you know, and, and fear. <clears throat> so that's that's uh something to remember.
0: You know, we, we talked about narrative and how um how human human beings are are narrative driven beings that we exist in narratives. I mean, this is all our like our, our our internal thought process all the time is is forms a narrative. We think of ourselves narratively, and you get things like uh using the easy easy example, Ray Pete with the seed oil. Yeah. Um, situation this is a the, the 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 proliferation of seed oils and their their toxicity is a narrative driven phenomenon it was narratives it was marketing narratives that were used it was it was deliberately manipulated scientific narratives that were used to to yeah put them yeah in
1: there. Good, good good point so that's so what is that that's mythology driven technology yes See, there yes you
0: go. good. yes so that's telling cool. stories this gets back to you can look at all of history this way. You know, they say the victors write the history books. Well, that's not entirely true. The people the victors pay write the history books because the victors always pay someone else to write the history books for them. So the scribes write the history book. Who are the scribes working for? They are representing no. an interest. Yeah, history media. isn't a, that's history what I say, isn't when a people, science.
1: And people say, oh, media has never been like a, such a stenographer for power. And I'm like, no, it's always been. It always has, has, has always been. Been. Yeah. been the priestly and scribal cast writing down mythology. Why are we ripping out your son's heart, sir? Because the God demands it here. See, he, I'm raw. You know, yeah, that's,
0: right. <laughs> that's their job. That's CNN's
1: job. Why are we killing your grandma? Because the FDA and CDC you know? it's the same dumb motion, right? It's the same right. stupid, unthinking motion. <laughs> you know, and we're like, oh my right. goodness, it's so shocking. It's like, no. The only thing that was different was that, like, actual investigative journalism that, like, goes where the facts are. That's incarnational objective truth, right? Penetrating the you know the the forest of of pagan mythology in the form of telling truth to power. That's the unique thing that Christianity brought to the table,
0: right? Okay? Not
1: so, in the service of empire like Zoroastrianism was. Yeah. <laughs> uh uh-uh, Uh-oh. man, I'm going for it now. I'm oh going, no, I'm get you banned be off of YouTube now, man. We're going hard against them today. Not in the service of an empire, trying trying to bring the light through force. The light of the world coming through the explosion of the stone the builders rejected. There we go, tying it right there. Mm. It's mm-hmm. dancing, man. We're dancing in the in the art of, of of God's creative power. Somebody said they want me to do Alex Jones voice. There you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, it depends on the day, man. You know, it depends. Like you know, like if I have a scratchier you know voice, it'll just naturally come out, and then somebody thinks I'm like imitating. It. It's like, no, I mean, it just depends on the day. But I mean, Alex Jones, Alex Jones, an example, you know, he's an example of, I'm going to give him a shout out because he actually has the audacity to talk about like wild and crazy technologies. He's not afraid of, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. problem is because he has taken on the brand of wild conspiracy, right. Then that marginalizes the conversation, right? right? So I come and I interview people like Jordan Peterson and I still talk about crazy technology. Right. So I'm trying to take it from a level where it's like, you can't marginalize it as well. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. here, I, I'm taking, I'm intellectually engaging with the philosophies of the world. Uh, and then also, well, here's what we can do with that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. Because there's, because one mistake, I think Alex Jones does his, not him, but his, his whole, like his media thing is always like, well, here are secret technologies that you could have, but the government keeps them from you. Right. And that's mm-hmm. another excuse to stay on the plantation. Don't mm. try. Don't try because you'll get assassinated or whatever. See what I mean? So No, no, right, no. Right. There's that learned helplessness again. That's not. No, no. No, no. We're not doing that. We can't. We can't do mm. that, man. We can't do that stuff anymore. You see what I mean? The only time you're able to talk about Tesla tech is in some kind of like, ooh, hidden secrets. And it's like some of that might be not true. Some of it might be true. But you see how it's all uh, a stronghold, a mindset stronghold of like, you know, mm-hmm. we can't do anything because they're going to kill all the inventors that do great things. Okay, well, then enjoy your decline. I mean, it's-
0: Yeah, if they're if they're going to kill you for your for your uh, um, diligent Christian work, then so be it. If anything, all they're going to do is just enshrine your work all the more if you're gonna look at it just purely from a pragmatic perspective. Mm-hmm. But this is what this is what all the saints, the saints of the church, many of them were scientists themselves in their own right. They were the people who were undertaking this. And sure, they're at odds with the, the, the rulers, the leadership of their time. And many of them were, were grievously tortured and, and murdered. And they strode right into it and accepted it, took it on. If anything, they're like, huh, awesome. Awesome! I get to I get to experience the next life now. It's this is my time here is done. I've fulfilled my responsibilities. I've fulfilled my duties here, and it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. there's something to be said for um, talking about some of these sort of taboo or 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 um, uh, kooky ideas, and being a normal decent person, not having the 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 veneer of kind of being a bit of a loon but just being a normal respectable person particularly if you can actually live the life of a normal respectable person if you can if you can build your human capital such that you are objectively perceived as a serious sober valuable person to your community to your the, the people around you then you'll you will bring that baggage so to speak into these other ideas as you talk about them or as you present them. And that's what makes ideas. Yeah. If you're, games, if you're, we, we just follow that.
1: That's what I'm trying to say. If you build role models, right. Right. The way to look at it is if you build role models who are people like, you know, like a Tim Tebow who is modeling, you know, he's not, And I know that's, a, they, they make fun, but it's not, I mean, think about, it. he's a figure that millions of people emulate for his values for chastity or whatever like that. Right. So mm-hmm. if you could be that kind of a figure and create anti-gravity or create the, the new physics right. paradigm, that comes with its own, you know, uh a collective imitation. Just like when Jesus says, you know, be my body on earth, he's not saying that in an esoteric sense that's different from the rest of the world. All of the world is made up of bodies of people, like Jay-Z mm-hmm. has a fandom. That's his body, his corporal body, right? Right. You know what I mean? right, they, right. They, they live in the dominion of of his modeling, right? And so Jesus. Uh, does the same thing. It's just it's just a body in competition with those rip-off bodies, those comp- those, those wannabe bodies of Jesus, right? You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like these stars create their little fandoms or fiefdoms or whatever, which are just corporate bodies in imitation of their worldview that they're modeling. So if we want to win the culture, we have to be the so-called Einsteins and Teslas and Wright brothers and Ford, right? We have to be that now. And if you do that, little kids will grow up and say, I want to be that. Mm. And what comes with that package? What makes you smart? Just like Hulk Hogan, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, right? No seed oils, uh, loving your family, self-sacrificially, not hungry for money, not staying over too late in the office because you want money but finding a way to have that good balance between your family and all these are things that these are art. This is art. This is not a recipe. We're not going to give you an instruction. If you need an instruction, you're not going to be able to do these. Mm. You know, you Mm. have, that's what it means. The first stone, the first stone of nonviolent creativity. That's what it means. The divine spark. That's it, man. I mean, it's the divine spark. It's being able to, to imitate, to imitate the right collection of people and the right ideas and the right timing with God's spirit infusing it all, that's what innovation looks like. And it's not, and it's so it's not just that you you get people to want to be like you or or an awe of whatever you do because they think you have high social status. That's the earthly way that will move the normies towards us. But it's also you do it for the sake of its own beauty, right? That's important to remember that. You're not doing great movies because you want people to make you a millionaire and be that may come. Or it may not. You may be slandered. So don't, see what I mean? Don't idolize it. Right. That's another good advice. To put this back in the advice section that you asked me to give people a takeaway. Don't idolize, well, if I become a great artist or filmmaker, I'll get the fame and then I'll show people Jesus. Because, you know, that might be setting you up for a big scandal Mm -hmm. in so many different ways. So don't idolize that. And it may not come. But that may be a, a, a burden that God gives you. And it is a burden. (laughs) <laughs> to be seen mm-hmm. as a social status role model, you're in mm-hmm. severe trouble. Now you're 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 asking for trouble, and blessing maybe if you can handle that load. But but do things beautifully, make a good business, or make good art, or make good family for its own sake. No one's looking because that's the beauty. That's the goal. Cool mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's what you're designed to do, right? So you make the anti gravity not because well this will help us beat the empire. I mean it may. You do it because it's beautiful in and of itself, and that's what you were designed to do as a created image of God. Mm, mm, you know what I mean? mm. You're playing with his sandbox, which which tells his story in everything, including the beauty of watching something float to move. That in and of itself is incarnational Christian beauty changing the world. That's how beauty changes the world, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. You can have your anti gravity machine in any color you want, as long as it's black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I just right. got a work email that came in that I got to respond to. So I appreciate you staying, um, staying on, and uh, this is a great conversation. Let's do this again. All right, um, you gave you gave your plugs, the neighbor's choice, and then uh, if you guys can like and share this stream, that would be fantastic. We're Trying to get the the channel spun back up again, and all of your interactions really helps. So I appreciate all you guys. Got a, a super chat here, two dollars twenty cents Canadian from the dentist twenty seven. Appreciate you. Uh, Appreciate all of you guys in here today. um, And we'll be back. I think I'll do another stream again tomorrow. um, Starting uh, Orthodoxy in the Religion of the Future by uh, Father Sarah from